assemble. Raise your hand if this is the first time you've ever been to space. My name is Matthew Kroll. And you look like melted ice cream. My name is Shahir Dowd. That is America's ass. I'm Shalia Evans. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film I have been waiting for before I knew that I would ever wait for films, Avengers Endgame. Uh, so I think my job here is done. Uh, I'm just going to bail out. You guys are good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't need me here for this? Yeah. Why are you here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With us for uh, easily 95% of all of our Marvel content is the fabulous uh, Shalia Evans all the way from the West Coast of the United States of America. Hello. Hello. I am thrilled to be here and have based my whole week around this <laughs> moment. It's it's so nice to to have you back. Um, you obviously, for listeners who are not familiar, uh, Shalia and I tackled before uh, Infinity War, we tackled uh, three separate about hour and a half to two hour long <laughs> each podcast about all three phases of the MCU up to that point. Um, I, um, which was a great primer for me, by the way, because uh, I needed a reminder of the whole thing. <laughs> Honestly, I was like, I, I'm like a, a worse fan now, like oh. in a good way, but like in an insufferable way than before. <laughs> we did our, our recap of, of everything before we went back and watched everything because like now I just know too much. Oh, I mean, I know really? enough, but now I'm I'm like worse to talk to. <laughs> I disagree. I think you are. I, well, for I think, you. Oh, yeah. yeah for, you yeah. groomed me. <laughs> I literally you created I totally a friend. Did. I totally <laughs> did. Oh. I mean, Matt's been trying this with me for years, and he's completely failed with me. So you are, you are the more loved child. Yeah. I'm an easy victim. Yeah. <laughs> I, aim, oh. I aim to please. Yeah. Um, for listeners uh, who want to write in about Avengers Endgame, now this is uh, obviously... Uh, the 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 problem with in game right now is is the spoiler yes, part of it. Yes, so yes, we, yes. I, I just want to say right up front, we are going to be spoiling in game throughout this episode. Uh, so if you have not seen in game, I would say just tune out at this particular yeah, moment. Snap yourself out of here yeah. right the end. If now. you haven't seen in game, also you're probably one of only ten people on the planet. Um, once you have seen in game, uh, please feel free to email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail .com or hit us up on Twitter. People have emailed us in for this episode. Normally we would do those emails up front, but I think. We're going to do those emails at the back just to save just a few of those spoilers for our discussion. And it will also help us uh, doing them at the back, too, because the um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I knew you'd like that. One. It always uh, helps. Yeah. <laughs> this is America's ass. It is America's, America's ass. ass. Uh, only because the the breadth of emails. And I do have to say that we've gotten even after this movie has been out for one day. We're recording this Saturday morning. We've all seen it Friday evening. Um the 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 amount of of depth and information that our listeners have brought in like i feel like if we did them up front it wouldn't like we, we might we cover a lot of it but we'll still reference the stuff that we don't and it'll actually help cull down the amazing amount of uh, of information and i mean i don't know can. why this uh, this uh, flurry of emails wasn't here for a pigeon sat on a bounce brass reflecting <laughs> existence i don't know why well People weren't emailing us about the man who killed Don Quixote like this. Okay, I was going to say, for the pigeon one, that was our third episode, and I Still, think four people matter. listened to us. Doesn't matter. The same amount of people that uh, saw If there had film. been more listeners, you would have just been swamped. Yeah. Right? Uh, Avengers <laughs> Endgame would have definitely got the same listenership as, uh, as a, pigeon as a, as a Swedish uh, art house movie. Hey, you know. <laughs> That's what all the little like nine-year-old boys in the theater with me were yelling about last night. <laughs> right, like, yeah. Where is this like, pigeon? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, speaking of, let, let's talk about this real quick. Uh, speaking of the movie going experience here and i went and saw it together along with some friends uh it was it was my it's birthday, Matt's birthday uh for yesterday Happy birthday. thank you so much uh it was th this uh I, 
The ability to go see this film on my birthday for whatever reason made it way more emotional than a 37-year-old man now at this point should possibly get about watching a bunch of action figures punch each other. Um, but it happened. Titanic came out on my 13th birthday. So. Oh, my God. So you know. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. yeah. But Shalia. I so, didn't know yet, but I get it. Yeah. <laughs> we had a pretty we had a pretty good theater going experience. I, I, have, feel to say, like. I have to say, yeah, not a lot of talking. There was one guy with a cell phone in front of us, which I, I'm just still like, do you need to check yeah, your phone? Yeah, because yeah. it was clearly he was just checking Twitter for no reason. Like, it uh, wasn't like he had like, you know, it wasn't like he was a dad who was waiting to see if, Miss, you know, his wife had gone into labor or something like that. It was literally, <laughs> I'm just checking Twitter or Instagram right now. What if he's just literally <laughs> spoiling the movie yeah. as he's watching yeah. it? say if anybody's gonna go see an avengers movie while their wife's in labor it's matt <laughs> yeah, that's true oh, all right. that's true that's 100 percent right. correct i'll have you know i didn't go see infinity war because i was at a lovely wedding of some friends alan and allison uh, but you, you oh, went and saw it as soon as you that. landed as soon as i landed yeah. but i went and i i waited which is worse because you if the, participate in life yes. yeah if the baby had been delivered you would miss out on the first three hours of its life to go see infinity war i'm sure I would know. I'd wait the appropriate amount of time, and then I would I go do what it. What Disney will give you if you have a baby while watching one of their movies? Oh, oh wow. you could become a production baby at the end credits. Yeah, yeah. That'd be fun. baby. But so, give Shale- that kid a head start. <laughs> Shalia, how was your theater going experience? Where you saw it? It was lovely. I saw it at uh, a mall. A mall theater, which is a fun thing about Los Angeles that yeah. New York doesn't really have, which is mall movie theaters. Yep. Um, there are way more little kids than I expected. Like, yeah. not like little, little, but elementary school kids. Yep. And the absolute highlight for me, and this is jumping a little into the plot, sure. but not really. But when they go to find Thor and they bring up Thanos, this little kid goes, ah, oh, don't bring that up. <laughs> and the, whole, the whole theater lost it. Oh, <laughs> not that guy. Um, That's, no, don't bring that up. He knows. He knows if he was to see Thor. What What time of day did you uh, did you go, Shalia? Seven p.m. Okay, so a respectable time. Yeah, that I, that was my big concern was that because we were going at like an eight o'clock eight screening, o'clock. and there were mm-hmm. a lot of kids in the lobby. But we I ended up seeing a three D version of the film, Ugh. which I think oh, a lot oh. of parents don't bring their right. kids to the three D version because it's too expensive. So maybe that was a silver lining. Story for the listeners. Um, I actually randomly the day that the um I I wake up as we all probably do and I look at my phone and the first thing I saw on Twitter was a new Infinity War like thirty seconds of whatever and I was like ooh she here will hate if I watch this so. No, uh, I know. I, yeah. I, he would hate to watch this. Yeah. Not that he doesn't give a shit if I watch it. So I watched it. Then at the end, it's like, tickets available. And I was like, oh. So I casually, at like 7 in the morning, went to Fandango. I was like, I'll order six tickets. I, I'll get something out. And I'll figure out who's going later. Boom, done. Everything's good. Cool. And like, I think I looked at some YouTube videos and like fell back asleep for 20 minutes or something. I wake up to every one of my like uh, Marvel friends that I speak to about this stuff every day, freaking out, being like, Fandango's down, the internet's broken, I can't get tickets, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, uh, mm-hmm. I-, I literally did it on a whim, and I was so like proud of myself and like this weird sort of thing, but then I was like, maybe I didn't. Maybe it's something messed up and I don't have these tickets. Mm-hmm. And so I went back and reviewed it, and only then did I realize that I had purchased 3D tickets. Yeah. Which is which is uh, normally for us would be a big no no. It but, would, but but uh, it it was fine. I gotta admit, I still uh, I still am not a fan of uh, seeing movies in three D. I am uh, not either. Uh, Neither and, am I. And I'm oddly, with uh, in game, I think it does a weird thing, which is that it makes the film way more cartoonish because there's yes. a lot of green screen, a lot of space stuff. It makes it all feel 
cartoony. Uh, and, and oddly, for a movie that's so big in scale, scale, it also makes it feel smaller. It really does. I don't know. I, don't, I, I oh, can't quite weird. quantify why it does that. It makes, so for instance, uh, the very beginning of the film, which I loved the opening, but uh, with Hawkeye sort of teaching his daughter about bows and arrows and the picnic, and then they all get, they all mm-hmm. get snapped. Um, th- that scene in particular felt incredibly cartoony and that was probably one of the only practical locations in this entire film and it was yeah. because of the is it that's the parallaxing what yeah what is it, the, is, it is the parallaxing i think it's the that's the the brightness levels that they have to bump to counteract the 3d and the sharpness level so you can't do dip the same way and, and, and like everything felt weird and then when we were in the big sort of cg-ish stuff I think, it, and I'm I'm very excited to go see it again in standard def. And Shalia, you can sort of speak to this as we go. Not standard def, but you know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I want to see it four by three on a CRT monitor. <laughs> um, but like, I I I feel like a lot of the scenes of battle, let's say, might have some more gravitas if it wasn't artificially split to different planes of of depth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, having not seen the 3D, I don't know. But I can say in all of my 3D versus regular viewing experiences, I have felt like the 3D made it feel cheaper and, and weirder. Yeah. It's almost so. like that feeling. It's not the same effect, but uh, the, the feeling of televisions that smooth and like go yeah. to 240 mm-hmm. hertz and like all that oh. shit. I will say I, I turned oh. the smoothing off on Yo Gabba Gabba. Oh, good and for you. It made a big difference. On my on my recent trip to New Zealand, I went to like five different houses where you know with friends, and they all had the motion smoothing on, and I would freak out at every house. And, and it was kind of a nice way to extricate myself from having conversations with people because you know I don't like to talk you to just, people. It's true. I would just go and sit in front of the TV and try to figure and out fix how to, it. Yeah, and it does take a long time. Yeah. and I lo- this is sorry we're going off on a weird tangent to start, <laughs> but like when you do that. You are initially like the asshole friend who's like, why? I can I can see it from the other side, being like, why are you fucking with my TV? I think it looks fine, yeah. and you're like, no, it changes everything. <laughs> you're watching TV wrong, and if someone walked into my house, it was like, hey, you're playing Mortal Kombat 11 wrong. I'd be like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we. What was that? We gotta, we gotta focus. I know. I'm, <laughs> focus. I'm so sorry. We're so back. much we're energy back. in the room. A lot of energy in the room right okay, now. Look, so we're all excited, but we got shit to we do. We have shit to do. And I'm so sorry it's taken this long to now get to actual spoilers. <laughs> um, I guess we'll do sort of first thoughts. And Shalia, you being our marvelous <laughs> guest, no pun intended, <laughs> I would really like to hear sort of like walking out of the theater, initial reactions. Uh, what what were your Wait, do you highs wanna, and lows? Oh, what do you want to IMDb? Just just so people oh, know, that's we, right. we did get called out because we didn't IMDb last time. So I will read the IMDb thing and then, in case you. anyone doesn't know what Avengers is, yeah, just in case, that. IMDb credits oh. um, Avengers Endgame as the following: After the devastating events of Avengers: Infinity War, 2018, the universe is in ruins. Eh, debatable. With the help of remaining allies. The Avengers assemble once more in order to undo Thanos' actions and restore order to the universe. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Since chills down the spine. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, interesting fact there. The universe does have order <laughs> while, while Th- after Thanos has snapped it. It's just not the order they want. Mm. Yeah. I was, well, okay, this is jumping from the initial question of how yes. I felt coming out of yes, yes. the theater. Um should I do that first and then tell you? A hundred percent. Great. Okay. So, um, coming out of the theater, I was I cried so many times in so many different ways, um, and a lot of clapping and laughing, and I I left very um, emotionally exhausted and happy mm. because I my main concern 
And I think we, we have some similar things that we've thrown around as possibilities of what could happen. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong about all my guesses. Sure. Because if I could think of it, it's not good enough. Because I don't write superhero movies. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if I thought of it, it's not going to be good enough for me. So I want to be wrong at all around. And, um, and even the things that were like, Oh yeah, we could see that coming. They managed to make enough twists and turns and payoffs that I felt good about. Yeah. Um, so I, I left really happy. Good. And also jacked. <laughs> what adrenaline and emotions. Uh, <laughs> Emotional. Emotional. Oh, that's like my blood. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, that's what my blood is made of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shahir, what about you, buddy? Um, I have a lot of thoughts on this movie. Um, but like when you walked out, like I, 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 we're going to get to all your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. But like when we all walked out of the theater, how are you feel? Like what? What was your initial like? Um, so for listeners who know, I'm I've always been a little bit um, probably on the cooler side when it comes to the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe in terms of like my feelings towards it. Right. Not that you're like the Fonz, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah, jukebox. Yeah. Hey. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, and, and I kind of. You know, and, and an interesting thing that happened uh, for this particular movie, which I think is the first time this has happened, which is I didn't see Captain Marvel before this movie, so mm-hmm. this is my first introduction to Captain Marvel as well. Um, I generally, uh, if if we're just going to do just sort of general impressions, I think I was okay with the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and if, if that, it, I liked it. I think it does. Uh, it does close out many chapters of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in like in in strong ways. I think it um, uh, resolves a lot of stories. I think. I think my initial hesitations when the uh, when the the phrase time travel was introduced uh, <laughs> were kind of assuaged by the fact that it it takes its time to kind of deal with that. Even though, like the movie Looper, uh, if you think about it too long, it can it'll probably break the experience. Sure. I generally thought the movie worked, um, and I generally thought it was a good experience. And um, the most important thing is that I was really thrilled to be in an audience with people who were getting excited about moments on screen. They were genuinely engaged. Uh, when characters appeared and disappeared, people were clapping. I think I love just being around that environment. Sure. I think that was really powerful mm-hmm. for me. Uh, the, fun fact about that, we went uh, with another friend, uh, our friend Tanya, and uh, Tanya had the question. This is sort of an interesting thing to bring up. She's like, she's like, She loved the movie, but she was questioning. She's like, I don't get... Why people clap? Right, at I films. love Tanya so much. And it's worth mentioning. Tanya was my roommate. Yes, that is true. And uh, Tanya is one of the most. Um, how do I put it? Uh, and she's actually been on the podcast briefly for some of the specials we've done, like around Christmas or New Year's time. She's been uh, one of the voices about like year in review stuff. So you can check those out on the older episodes. But she is one of the most. I will say this: the most aggressively positive people, but in the least annoying way possible. Hmm. Yeah, um, yes. like I've never been Correct. annoyed with Tanya loving life. Like other, I've been no. like I've been around other people that are like too positive, and it's like it's almost like you don't believe them. I believe Tanya is a hundred percent on board with everything. Yeah, well, because Tanya is like the American dream. Yeah. So yeah. you're like, you deserve to be excited. Look what <laughs> you're doing with your life. Like, so, so but but it was she's interesting earned it. because she too uh, mentioned. And I hope I'm not blowing up her spot that she cried a bunch in the film as well. Mm-hmm. And but she oh, but she she couldn't get behind the idea. <laughs> she didn't know why. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she couldn't get behind the idea of people clapping. And the best way that I could try to get across, and I'm not even sure if it makes sense, is 
the reaction to clap at the like clapping at the uh, theater, for instance, you're doing mm-hmm. it to show appreciation to actual people that can hear you. Um, and that is a uh, a very like I'm giving this to you like performer sort of thing. Yeah. That's I don't think that's what happens when when an excited audience claps at one of these movies. I think it is more akin to the act of crying because even when you cry at a play, you're not doing that so the so the the performer can see it. You're it's it's an emotional response you're having. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if and if a piece of art can make you do that. Knowing full well that it is not for anyone but you and maybe the rest of the audience, I think that's a really powerful sort of sure. emotional reaction. I, I think uh, for our listeners, I'd be really curious, uh, international listeners as well, because that that is something that I didn't really experience until I came to America. Oh, interesting. Um, so I'm curious <laughs> if it's uh, sort of. I, I think it, it it wouldn't surprise me if it happened all over the world when it comes to this particular film. So I'd be really curious if our listeners, uh, especially international listeners, had the similar experience where people were clapping uh, and applauding and, and almost in a way talking to the movie. Yeah. yeah. Americans are just emotionally <laughs> starved and we can only get our interaction <laughs> yeah. from screen time, screen time exactly. from, the, from the biggest corporation on the planet. Yeah. Now, I will say, I when I... Because I used to be like, um, why are people clapping? But if something means enough to me, I do it without thinking about it. Mm. And I think it's because, like, even little kids, like, you're like, you did it! And, like, you clap because something worked out well. Or, like, people, you can be watching, like, football on TV and people clap for that. Like, it's a natural, it's what we have been taught is what you do when something goes the way you wanted it to. And so you just kind of do it. And then you're like, well, no one cares, but mm, oh well, clap, clap, clap. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, Matt, uh, this is obviously, uh, I, I think the most important thing here is that well, I'm interested in your reaction to this film because you have the most <laughs> vested interest <laughs> yeah. in this entire cinematic mm-hmm. universe in the last, uh, what is it, 11 years of, of, of cinema. Yeah. Uh, this was your birthday. This was the, the, the culmination of 22 films. It was a big or, moment. It was a, it was a big moment for you. I'm glad I wasn't sitting next to you like because I, I tend to be pretty <laughs> quiet during these things, and I was sitting next to another one of our friends from Oscar Watch Podcast, and Steve. I was just... And you know, and he was like engaged, you know, talking. He was like, "Oh, this is happening," <laughs> and I would just sit there silently. Uh, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm glad I'm not sitting next to Matt right now because I know who you would probably just hate this." Well, no, no. I mean, I don't. I mean, I clapped and I cried, but I don't. No, you would hate sitting next to me during oh, the movie, right? 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 Because you would just be stone faced. Yeah, yeah. Um, I look, I. The, the spoiler alert for my emotional resonance with this film is that it a hundred percent worked for me. Um, I, I will say there's issues I do take with it, but there's issues I think I take with almost every one of these films. Um, but the the fact of the matter is, like Shalia, to your point, even walking out of the theater, I mean, walking into the theater, I had tried not to come up with my own theories beyond sort of what we've all talked about here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like I know people that actively like watched theory videos and like tried to figure out what was going on. And I was like, it's almost like to your point too, Shahir, I watched the trailers and I think the trailers did a very good job at not giving away exactly what was going to happen. There were hints. Like for instance, I figured a time travel element would happen because Natasha's hair changed colors. Uh, and, like, <laughs> and there was different stages of, of like growth out from the white to the red. Yeah, um, but I thought honestly, like in the even though I tried not to hypothesize, I was like, oh, they're gonna go back and get their younger selves to help them or something weird like that. And I was mm-hmm. so glad that like that didn't happen, and I was glad that I was able to sort of like distance myself enough from the what ifs where things felt legitimately surprising, and if not surprising, 
only times like things were telegraphed in the films that I knew from the comics, which felt like an initial sort of lizard brain scratch payoff. For instance, uh, Captain America with the hammer. Um, yeah. The second I saw the hammer move when Thor was pinned, I know it was set up like oh. Thor was calling it, but I knew that it was actually Cap doing it. And I cried. Yeah. <laughs> oh, in that sequence is beautiful. Um, yeah. I, I walked out of that theater. Um, and it's weird because I honestly haven't had a ton of time to process this. I have obviously, as we everyone knows, more emotional resonance with this particular franchise that's a dirty sentence i just said mm. um then honestly anything else on the planet and uh any any sort of media or art form and mm. to have a uh what i would consider not only a wonderful ending to it but a interesting enough jumping off point for what comes next without doing a cliffhanger dangly thing at the end which these things all do to yeah. this point this yeah. and I, I, this is sort of jumping way ahead but there's no after credit sequence yeah and um <clears throat> there's only the sound actually at the very end you hear the sound of tony stark hammering something in the original iron man one in the cave and i was like oh you fucks you fucks you did it you you yeah. made this uh special and final and uh and i i don't know of a world where mm -hmm. I could have been more happy overall. Again, I will always find something to nitpick because that's what. Oh, sure. Do. That's that's how you love something. Yes. You if love... you can't find fault in something, do you really love it? <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's where I, I don't stand know. I with have, this. I'm single. I don't know. No, no, no. That's, no, that is 100% true. You're supposed and to hate people, right? You're supposed <laughs> to hate people at least 10% all the time. Okay, good. Um, like, like we know the rules. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the i was i was even though with the pedigree that i've loved so much i was legitimately worried going into this film mm -hmm. uh and i don't think it ever dropped a plate mm -hmm. i think that it was spinning uh i think it chose wisely to put certain plates down knowing that and i think a lot of that probably came from the editing room to be mm -hmm. honest yeah uh we could talk about some of that in a little bit um but I think it knew what plates were important and what plates would resonate, and it stuck with those and it did the absolute yeah. best it could in the situation that it had built itself, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which was A-OK -okay enough for me. Okay. Um, yeah. Shalia, do you want to kind of yeah. go into more of your uh, sort of deep dive thoughts on the film before I, before I jump Ooh. in? And, before and Shahir destroys before us? I, before I jump in oh, and ruin yeah. everyone's day. <laughs> um, I mean... I uh, I had some weird emotional reactions that I had to like track. Okay. Because uh, some of it was I was like emotionally reacting to you know like payoffs like Cap getting the hammer or like you know like or deaths or like I I had some like normal trackable things, but the the biggest like impression I mean there's so much going on there's so much but like I left like with this very like heavy awareness that the biggest cry I had was not from joy or from sadness or any, it was from sheer jealousy for children right now. Okay. I started when they, and I knew they were pandering to me, but when they like lined up all the chicks and were like, we'll clear the path. Like, I knew they were they were just shoveling that into my mouth. <laughs> I sobbed anyway and then got mad because I'm so 
jealous of little girls right now that they get that the, all those superheroes. I'm so and was like angry crying for a little bit. <laughs> You're angry at the so kids. So weird. I was. I'm jealous. I'm just so jealous. At, like I, they get to have. So they have superheroes. The girl, like girls, have superheroes, and that was a weird thing that like stuck with me even like today i still am like that's so weird how like i like angry cried mm. from jealousy at <laughs> children but like that's a good review that means i'm like i loved it you know like because yeah. well, it it hit me so hard and then immediately was like why didn't i get to do this <laughs> why don't i get to play and be not be the sidekick or be told to shut up because i'm a girl like why didn't i get to play this yeah like not in an actor sense, but in a playground sense. Of course, you know. Let's talk but about. I, oh, sorry. It hit me. Oh, it just it hit me in all sorts of ways. So it it satisfied me in like, you know, nerd payoff movie ways, but it also like tapped into this weird part of my my like child child brain that was like. I want to go. I want to time travel and watch this when I'm nine. Yeah, like, it's not fair. Well, let's talk about let's talk about what I've dubbed sort of the the lady scene, the one that you're bringing mm-hmm. up. Uh, because a lot of people, uh, of course, after seeing the film, I immediately jumped on social media and was trying to just dig oh, yeah. up opinions of things um, because I'd stayed off it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had uh, discussions at a bar afterward about that scene in particular. Uh, Jamie and I this morning were discussing the pros and cons of it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm I'm fascinated that you had that reaction, Shilia, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it is like the the scene we're discussing. Just uh, if you've seen the movie, you, if you've got to this point, you know the scene we're talking about because it is yes. thrown in your face hard. Shovel it is not, yeah, like and not throat. like not gently into a pit. It like whips the shovel around and smacks you in the head before mm-hmm. knocking you down and pouring it on your face. Like, um, it is a gorgeous. I would love to see that in not 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a gorgeous, basically giant hero shot, which the Avengers movies are known for. But this time with all of the female cast, all the surviving female cast, yeah. uh, Sans Gamora, who is not there, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, I think one of the reasons why it is – well, there's a couple reasons why I think that moment – it's almost like it works too well and therefore doesn't. That's not the way yeah. I would describe it, but okay. Okay, well, I, let's go to yeah, you yeah. In, in a second. Only because the fa- the action to that point, once the battle has become so heated, is super fast. And that is the first moment where it slows down, and it has like a one-liner. We'll clear the path, and then it's just da-da-dun, da-da-dun, da-da-dun. And you're like, oh, I see what they're doing. This is cool, but I see what you're doing. And like, th- there's two ways I can look at this. Hmm. One, this is Marvel saying, we get it. And uh, take a look at the future of what the MCU is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's another way to look at this, which is this is pandering. This is what 2019 needs. So we're doing it. Jamie made a great point about uh, when they were thinking about putting women on money. And they're like, well, instead of like one woman, let's like put five women on there. Like Uh, and it's like that sort of aspect of it. And also Jamie, Jamie was full of amazing (laughs) quotes this morning. She's like, she's like, when she watched it, she took it as look at all these amazing opportunities we've missed over the last 11 years. (laughs) (laughs) So like, while I don't think the, the scene works where it is and how it is presented in the film, I am hopeful that it means something bigger, and I don't know if that scene will have. I I can't tell you 
if that scene is, I'll even just boil it down to good or not mm-hmm. until a couple years from now and we see what Marvel does. Because yeah. if that's just fan service and they just sort of did it for no reason, then it's kind of shitbox. But if they're like presenting and being like, look at the future, dummies, yeah. like then I'm more okay with it. Uh, so my my issue with that scene, um, I think Jamie called it hashtag woman, uh, as, yeah. we, as we saw yeah. her, um, is that it's inorganic to the moments that we're in at that particular mm-hmm. moment of the film, and that's that's my problem with it. Yeah. Is that it's I think it's a it's a lovely sentiment, um, and I think it's a lovely uh, it's a lovely shot, and it's a lovely moment. Uh, in and of itself, but it comes completely un- inorganically to where we are in the film. Like, it doesn't quite even make sense why these characters are all standing next to each other or why they would end up standing next to each other. So to have that particular moment just doesn't make sense. And it rings of pandering. It rings of, like, trying to infuse a scene with a political ideology that yep. doesn't actually... It's a square pig into a round hole. I like the square pig. I think it's a good square pig, and it's a much-needed square pig. But the, the comparison that I thought about when I saw that scene was the I am no man uh, scene by Eowyn in Lord oh, of the Rings. Yeah. See, that's oh, a much... that makes... Yeah, that's a... Stop. Yeah, but that's a much more organic moment to that to that scene and so you don't ever feel like you're being pandered to you feel like wow this is an incredible you know revelation within this greater context to, to like zero in on this moment and the problem with you know the I'm, I'm going to call it hashtag women is that it <laughs> doesn't come organically to what's happening in front of us and therefore it doesn't work and you brought up an, an interesting point too just from a I think maybe at first I was like oh it's because it's the first slowdown moment and now actually I want to take that back I don't think that's why it feels inorganic there I think it feels inorganic there because the giant hero shot <laughs> is not needed. And by that I mean in the battle. For instance, they are going to clear the way for Captain Marvel. That's what's that's mm-hmm. the that's the point of them all doing there she's not going to do this alone. But mm-hmm. then the action that they show around it after the hero shot mm-hmm. is so minor and Captain Marvel just it's flies through. through them all anyway. Yeah. She doesn't need it. Yeah. And that yeah. might be why I had a bit of an emotional disconnect cuz like Every other time they've done big hero shots in yeah. these movies. The first one was the circle in the Avengers, and that was them sort of readying themselves. And from a, from a flow and, and pacing perspective, worked really well. Obviously, there's a little less going on, which if yeah. you asked me six or seven years ago that there's less going on in the Battle of New York than where this is going, I would freak out. But then also, even when Joss Whedon's uh, Age of Ultron, the opening sequence, while it is sloppy of them trying to get Hydra... Mm-hmm. It flies all around and stays with the pace of what's happening. Yeah, you you, you understand where it's mm-hmm. coming in. Uh, the and only they th- had a point. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I want to do here is like I know uh, I've been lurking on the internet in terms oh. of like uh, in like men's rights groups because I just oh. I'm I'm real oh. curious just how they work because I I just don't understand the mentality quite a lot and I I don't want to in any way stretch what we're saying about a moment not working to suggesting that the moment shouldn't be there. No, the you moment know, 100% should be there. Yeah, yeah, and because because I know like again just like lurking in those communities and kind of just seeing how they operate, their thinking is, "Oh, this is such a uh, 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 an, a bias against men kind of thing." You know, that's mm. the way they kind of read it. Ugh. And what that's not at all what we're saying because no. because I think Marvel is taking strides to kind of correct that, uh, and to and to, you know to to Shalia's point as well, which is that it is creating this this world in which uh, young women are being able to see themselves on screen. Yeah. I will say this, and this is a, this is just this is completely out of left field and has nothing to do with the movie, uh, al- almost nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> 
Thank God. Go, but uh-huh. I, when, I, when I watched that scene, you know how you got jealous for little girls like being able to like have this moment? The thing yeah. I was thinking of, I was like, I was like, I was, I was starting to, I, you know, and this will kind of lead into sort of my bigger thoughts about the movie. But I was trying to, I, I've been trying to evaluate over the last week my disconnect with this whole thing. Um, and, and one of the things I was kind of, I, I wondered about, I don't think this is the case, but I watched that scene where, you know, people were excited about seeing themselves on screen. And I was like, I don't think in my lifetime I'm going to see a superhero movie with a person that looks like me. I, I can't imagine a world right now where that's going to happen. And I wondered if that was... I don't think that's exactly the disconnect because that is my experience of movies in general. Sure. I, I mm-hmm. very rarely see anyone in movies that looks like me. But, but I was kind of wondering about that and I wondered if that was why I don't have the emotional side because I felt that that moment, and this was, this was true because uh, not just, I was thinking a lot about Jamie uh, because Captain Marvel pops on screen and she has the same similar, similar haircut to Jamie. And yeah. I, and I just, she has a Jamie haircut. Which she was very pumped. <laughs> and, and I, yeah, but that's the thing. I was like, oh, how powerful is that to kind of see that moment? And you've talked about like, you know, like looking at you right now, there's certainly an Iron Man styling <laughs> going on with I don't Matt. know what you're talking about. Uh, you know, like, and, and I was just like, I... I can't imagine a world right now. I th- there's no plans for it, and I don't see it happening. I don't see a world where in Western cinema, which is where I'm kind of basing my life on, yeah. where I will ever see a superhero that looks like me. Right. And 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 you know, I was like, and and for for me, that what what that made me sad about was thinking about my son. Right. It's kind <laughs> of echoing Shalia's point for her. Yeah. Son, uh, you know, but about it's, it's hard. It's it's a bummer when you're a kid and you're like. You want all you want to do is play yeah. the same game everyone else is playing, and they tell you, "No, there, you aren't allowed to be that." Right? Yeah. We're allowed I, to be that. You're not allowed to be. When that. I was a kid, what I you know because I used to play superheroes in the playground, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. I would play the Hulk all the time, um, and I wonder if that was because the Hulk is um, race nonconforming. You know, he's green, mm-hmm. um, and I sort of had a similar. You know, like I would push my hair down like it but i would <laughs> but i would it would never occur to me to play spider-man or iron man or uh batman you know i love those characters but it would never occur to me to dress up as those, as those characters yeah i think yeah. so so i here's what i'm hoping and obviously uh, i i this is good sort of unless we have more stuff to talk about the seaweed there's lots of other things to talk about yeah. too uh i'm hoping that a scene like this whether it works or, or not depending on either both story and where it is placed I think this is one of my mathematical uh, calculations in film where I'm like, it does way more good than harm. Of course, yeah. And I, um, I'm hopeful that because something like this exists, that eventually other things like uh, yeah. seeing superheroes that, that your son will be able to uh, look at and be like, that's like me, sort yeah. of like, I, I'm hopeful that that will exist. Yeah. There are plenty of things that Marvel has done in the comics, and uh, granted, I don't think done well, but they're at least trying. Yeah. And I, I imagine that as, hopefully, if if we can <laughs> correct ourselves before the environment goes away in 12 years and we don't kill ourselves and we can actually get a government that physically works, um, then uh, people will be a little bit more... Or, uh, sounds terrible, but like harmonious, and this kind of stuff will be easier to come by and faster than it has right. been to this point. Um, uh, oh, go, oh, no, go for it. Oh, well, I was just gonna say, um, from a purely re- like not from a cinematic or plot or storytelling anything perspective, but from a pleasing viewer's perspective, had this movie happened 
and at no point acknowledged the mass amounts of women they've introduced, I would have been fucking furious. (laughs) Yeah. But the story was about the original group. Mm -hmm, It's not any of those new people's stories. So it would have been a weird waste of time to be like, let's see what Shuri's doing for five minutes. (laughs) Like I would, you know, like, but I would also have been mad if they didn't get acknowledged. Yeah. And the men already are, part of the story yeah. because the original group is all but one male. Yeah. Like, you know, like, uh, and so you, I think it was like a, I'd rather be pandered to than ignored. Yeah. Fair. And, um, so I was like excited. They found a way to make sure everyone got in the shot. Cause that was one of the things I was mad about at the end of the last one. I was like, um, there's uh, several women that no one told me if they survived the snap and I'm going to fucking riot. Like, <laughs> um, I was so until the posters came out and then I was like, Oh, I guess Shuri's gone. Like, <laughs> screw you guys. You didn't even tell us. Yeah, but like, yeah. you know, like, so I think they had to, for a complaining on the internet lady perspective, they <laughs> needed to give me a shot of all those girls so that I was like, at least I got in the movie. Right. Yeah. And they got just as much, you know, like it, it's just that the the male characters whose stories are being concluded, summed up, yeah, are the focus of the film. Yeah. So you're, the uh, yeah, you're never going to please everybody, and there's no suggestion. Yeah, again, there's no suggestion here that that the the complications of that scene are in any way mitigating to the idea that that scene should exist. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's just yeah. the but way I, it's executed in this particular film. I'm happier be, having it be a weird sort of janky, like, mm. oh, this feels forced, than yeah. having it be like, hey, I just watched that whole movie and never saw, like, five characters. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, I'd rather see them do stuff. Uh, um, plus, I like when Scarlet Witch gets mad. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I'm so a fan. There was a great moment uh, where she, when she comes back after the big battle, and she like monologues at Thanos, and Thanos doesn't know who she is, yeah. and she's I, for, I forget her line, but she's like, well, you know, I'll teach you or I'll remind you or like whatever. And yeah, that, like, that was a fucking awesome. There were so many. The awesome per minute in this movie for me personally was. I mean, cranked beyond anything I could. But even we've been talking a lot about the end. Battle. Right? Yeah, we have. Yeah, I, yeah. This got movie, a lot. this movie itself, honestly, felt like weirdly. I mean, it's three hours and two minutes or something. Felt like three movies for me. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. The first movie was basically trying and failing to come to terms with their with the failure in each of the original six's own way. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> Natasha's still searching for answers, actively trying to fix things. Mm-hmm. Cap is helping others move on while also ignoring that he is not moving on. He's running a support Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. (laughs) Thor has straight up just quit and given up on life. Now, when I said I didn't see myself in this movie... I'm just saying, Fat Thor is uh, is the closest I got. Yeah. I was like, "This is Dad Thor. This is what I'm about. I'm here." Hulk, <laughs> Hulk, uh, kind of did a 180, fixed himself, and has kind of taken a celebrity status in a way, <laughs> sort of like the thing he's probably always craved. So he's a bit. He's one of the only ones that has what I would consider like he's okay with things going on, other than uh. Tony, who literally has his happy ending. Yeah. And then finally, Hawkeye, who probably has the the um, harshest um, or, or the most the most violent um, reaction to what happened, his whole family being snapped away and him being left alone. So he decides to try to take control of his own universe by trying to just 
straight up murder as many criminals as he possibly yeah, can. Batmaning hard. Yeah. Um, as um as anyone who listened to our other ones may remember, I don't really give a shit about Hawkeye, but I cared about him in this oh, movie. Oh, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> that was nice. So so that's sort of the first the first <laughs> well, film a, that comes after obviously their resolution of trying to solve the 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 Infinity War problem by finding Thanos, right? Yeah, and uh, and yeah. Resol- and kind of resolving. The, the quandary of what had happened at the end of Infinity War, which is can we snap these people back? And what I, what I liked about this is that we, we talked a little bit in our Infinity War conversation. Uh, there was an article from Film Crit Hulk uh, about the, the, the texture of consequence, I think yes. as we called it. And what I liked about here is that when we flash forward five years later after you know, dealing with Thanos, you know, like chopping his head off, you know, yep. I went for the head. The, the texture of consequence becomes kind of somewhat more tangible. You know, like we're actually having to deal with a world in which Thanos won. Yeah. And where are these characters right now because of it? I will say, for me, the interesting thing here is that, um, and I'm not sure it's quite acknowledged in this sequence, but like the world seems okay. And, the world, and for Tony in particular, yeah. the world seems great. And, and I, I kind of, I think I wanted the, the, negotiation of like should we go back or should we try and restore the the way the order you know like you described in the imdb the you know the that they're fighting against the new world order or something like that or fighting against the new yeah. world is that the to me the tension seemed to dissipate a little bit because we didn't quite see the terribleness of the world other than through hawkeye's story mm-hmm. and, and I, I honestly the only mm-hmm. two that are that are ended up good are hulk and tony yeah. So the others have a bit of a terrible. Now, granted, yeah. Hawkeye's is the most terrible. Yeah. Um, but everyone else is in pain in their own ways. Something I liked. Mm-hmm. This is sort of as as we'll get into what I think the second movie is once mm-hmm. the time travel thing sort of comes into play. Because I loved that they just took care of Thanos in the beginning, and then yeah. they had to deal with and still the, losing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, oh. oh, I I kept thinking about because they're you know they're talking about the like how the world has been just ravaged by this. And I, I just kept thinking about, like, initially, the initial shock of all those people being gone it, uh, and, like, planes falling out of the sky and cars crashing. Like, the initial shock is a horrifying event. But then I kept thinking, it's, like, individually to deal with this, it's dealing with a death or a couple deaths. And it's... So each person, like people do deal with that in real life all the time. People's families die all the time. So it is something that is, uh, everyone has to figure out how to cope with. Yeah. And so I liked, I liked that they just showed individuals coping with it and not the grander scale because that's all it would be. Yeah. Like the world can still exist just fine with less people. The, the interesting it has thing. until very recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, I, so it really comes down to individuals coping with loss and how they cope with loss. Um, but also I really wanted like a bunch of people in all white to walk by as like a leftovers nod. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, yeah. I was like, it, it should be called Avengers leftovers. <laughs> Avengers leftovers. Yeah. So, I so, wanted that to just like in the background. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Smokers, the smoking characters. Yeah. The yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. thing, uh, Shalia, that you just sort of said too is like people die all the time and like the, and the world still moves on and that's 100% true. The interesting thing that I, the, the reason like why I think 
it works so well to show individual uh, people's experiences is all like, for instance, as one of the Russos, as the uh, yeah. the person talking about going on a date after all this and like how that just is is insanely difficult on their own. Um, uh, the the strengths of things like that is actually also a bit of a of a weakness because the the. The world would not, it's not only just that people are dead. It's not that half of the world was killed. It, they they have disappeared and mm-hmm. no one knows what so, so it's weird. Death happens and we all have religion and we all have things where we like I've 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 had time to figure out like oh like maybe this happens or we have our own religion or we have our own structure or whatever. This is something where it's like no an alien snapped his fingers and now everyone's gone. So not only do we have to deal with the fact that half of the half of life is gone but you have to deal with the fact that everything you've thought in your entire existence yeah. is wrong big existential crisis and, and that itself plan. would be more detrimental to society i think than the actual individuals like you have the grief of mm-hmm. your individual loss and then you have the destruction of your your mental uh the way you think the world works yeah yeah uh, like we understand at least to a point some of us more than others depending on our situations how death were you know death is a, a permanent yeah. in our existence this is something where it's like oh god <laughs> so um anyway I, I i went off on a bit of a tangent there um i just thought of something yeah what about the people it's been five years like what if people have like moved on and gotten their lives back together and everything's great and then all the dead people are back and they're like oh i got remarried yeah, yeah. i mean there's gonna be tons of that no <laughs> yeah. question so there, like yeah like basically the end is passed away kind? yeah 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 like is it that kind to bring everybody back the, I mean, I and, and that's where i think the existential nightmare would have been really interesting to sort mm-hmm. of focus it on tony now tony kind of makes a gambit um here where he says and and essentially this is Kind of where I think the film is tr- is sort of having its cake and eating it too, which is it's dealing with consequence, and Tony basically has this amazing life, and then the the gambit in order to get everyone back means that he doesn't have to lose that life. Uh, you know, like he kind of says, well, we're going to do it this way so that therefore, you know, I'm not going to lose this life that I've created now. But he does lose it. He, well, that's a, a later thing. But but I think the, the interesting thing would have been to have... Him, because ch- especially when Pe- the thing that sort of didn't ring true to me was when Pippa Potts kind of says, "Okay, well, we're gonna go. Out. You're gonna have to go do this because I, you know, I've tried so hard to kind of keep you, uh, uh, you know, to stop you from doing things." But I think she has this like incredibly, you know, new vested interest in this new world, in this new world order, and I don't think there's anyone fighting to like sort of talk about. Hey, yeah, you know, like, like Shalia, what you're just saying, which is yeah. that people may have gone on and created new lives. And, you know, it's five years later. And again, it's just that I think uh, I was I was sort of wondering if there was more opportunity to kind of like make the decision to do the time travel heist be a slightly more challenging decision for all the characters. Like it seemed very much like, OK, we're going to do this. You know, there's a little bit of a sort of pushback from Tony, but Tony again and the film, I think, kind of gets to have its cake and eat it too, which is have the texture of consequence, but then wind back time without having to like wind back time. Right. I think that mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get to the, what the consequence I think was sort of later, later. But what I really liked about especially the pepper pot scene is that scene when they're talking after he sort of figures it out and is sort of talking through like whether or not he should just bury it and move on or whatever. And she has... Tony Stark's arc throughout all of these films has gone from the most selfish to now the most selfless. Mm-hmm. Now... He knows, for instance, that he won't do he won't actively do a thing to harm his daughter or his new life. Mm-hmm. But he knows he might not come back. 
And and he also knows that his happiness in this point, this is something that Tony Stark would have never done before. He's grown to this point. He is willing to sacrifice his own personal, the possibility of his own personal happiness and liveliness. Um, to, <laughs> a liveliness. To, yeah, to, to get back everything that everyone else has lost. And Tony, from the very beginning, he, you know, and he, he grows, he becomes an altruistic character slowly but surely, like on smaller scales. Like he doesn't want to make weapons anymore in the first Iron Man, but he's still living off of all the weapons money. Like there's, there's sort of like the, the cycles of Tony Stark is very interesting. And here he is literally having his happy ending. And mm-hmm. he knows that the right thing to do is to not just let himself and his family be happy, but let the most people that are not him be happy. Right. And that's something that I thought you are 100 percent right, Shahir, about like the cake and eating it too, up until the end of the film, because right. he because Tony Stark that the, the well, the flip I, side, I'm still kind of the ending whether the film gets to eat its cake as well. The I, film might, but Tony doesn't. Yeah. You know? uh, to, well, to, his, Tony's his hand eating cake. Is also and, Forced, though. I mean, jumping. We're we're, yeah, we're, jumping we're just jump doing whatever we want. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, but you know, like he's done everything he can to preserve the new reality that exists. But then things go awry, and that reality is at danger, like in danger. Like I, it's I, not. Oh, can we bring everyone back? It's there are like weird ass alien wolf things on the same planet. As his daughter, in right. the same time, so like, the, it's he's got to, you know, yeah. he's the choice is taken away from him. The one question uh, I would have about the thing, Matt, you just said was that does I don't think Tony knows at the point that he makes the decision to kind of enact the time travel heist that it will result in his death. He doesn't know that it will result in his death, but he knows that it's the, the possibility of his death is there. I think so, but you know, like I think towards the end of the film, the 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 realization that it will that the one ending that Doctor Strange saw is his death. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he knows that. He at doesn't this point. know it at that point. Yeah, and knows. and I think he's his gambit here is that I can ha- I can have all of this. Yes, yeah. But he also realizes that he. T- <laughs> the thing is, he for himself personally has everything he wants, and he's willing to give that up to for the ch- the possibility of losing that right. to help. Everyone yeah. else get that. Right. And that's something that is such a, a great final arc for this character that I was I was on board with that a hundred percent. Now, granted, do let's let's talk about some things I don't like bef- at this sort of point. Okay. I think the cap and Tony, even though it's been five years later, Cap and Tony's sort of resolution, especially after Civil War and how it was like super ominous in Infinity War, though they were never in the same uh the same scenes together. Mm. I really wanted a, a, a more of a catharsis moment with those characters. I think the film actually weirdly handled their relationship together in a realistic way. Like, I think mm-hmm. five years and a giant tragedy does a lot to be like, well, I'm, like, mad at you, but it doesn't matter, so we're cool. Like, that's that's more of what would happen in real life. I personally wanted that, like, bro-out moment between the two of them, yeah. like, catharsis sort of whatever. But that's, like, that's like me wanting frosting. I think I saw those two moments. Oddly, this is this is weird coming from me, but I saw like kind of a nice resolution to those two moments. The first being when uh, when Tony comes back from space and he's all emaciated, yeah. and and he basically they basically rehash the issue of uh, Age of Ultron, yep. which is like I wanted to put a protective layer around the planet, and you guys said no, that would affect our privacy, and so that battle kind of comes back. But then when they're traveling through time, you realize that these two characters have a shared history when they both decide to go back to 1970, and it's and I. 
I kind of saw that as a oh, moment yeah. where, where they kind of, you know, and 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 Tony says to to Cap, do you trust me? And Cap looks at him and says, I do. And it was like, I kind of, it, this is weird for me being able to call back on like narrative strength. Yeah, this from, is odd for you. Yeah, from, from <laughs> like a long time ago. But I, but I was like, oh, I like th- these these moments feel organic and they feel true to what's ha- what's come before, and I kind of, huh. I bu- I bought those moments kind of as the the conflict and resolution of the Cap Tony uh, timeline. Did I, Shalia? I just want your opinion mm-hmm. on this. Did I just say something I didn't particularly enjoy in a Marvel movie? And Shahir said something that he enjoyed. That I didn't say moment. I enjoyed it. I just said I, I understood it <laughs> in the context of the film. Uh huh. Uh huh. But what I heard was <laughs> 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 his favorite part. Yeah. Your favorite part. Um. Uh, yeah. That, I love that these movies secretly. Yeah. Love it so much. Love it so much. Shalia. I, uh, oh, what, yes. what, you, what do you got? No, just noises. Oh, What's up? I love noises. <laughs> I wanted you to tell me what you thought about what I would consider the second film in this movie, yes. The Time Heist. <laughs> the Time Heist. Well, first of all, um, first and foremost, all of the discussion of the rules of time travel based on films was just like my heart. <laughs> because I, like, I live my life. I just was saying the other day, like, I'm such a jerk. Like, I someone will say like, Ooh, maybe it's haunted. And I'm like, um, did someone die there? Then I don't think it's haunted. Like I follow <laughs> movie rules. Like they're real rules all the time. Like I'll correct people about how zombies work. Like I'm not like I do that. So I loved having them all break down like what the rules are and then be like, what are you talking about? That's all made up. Like those are movies. We're basing this on back to the future. And then like back to the future lied. Like I, I really loved that stuff. Um, I kind of, at first, when Thanos talked about reducing the Infinity Stones down to atom- an atomic Adams. level, yeah. was like, oh, they're going to get tiny and go find little bits of the Infinity Stones <laughs> and make a teeny little snap. Like, I thought maybe that was what was happening. But then that did not happen. Um, and then once they were like time travel, I was like, uh, okay, but... Once I realized what they were doing with the time travel, I was on board mm-hmm. and I had fun and I loved seeing I, – I, I love this in Harry Potter too. Like I love seeing stuff you've already seen happen from a different angle. Yes. Or like I love seeing the like post Battle of New York cleanup stuff. Um, I, I just – I enjoyed all of that. Yeah. And I and you get to feel also kind of insidery and cool, knowing being like I know what's happening here. Yeah, like they know what's happening, but I also know what's happening, so like I can help them navigate mentally. So I got pretty into the time travel stuff in a way that I didn't think I would, huh. because yeah. I enjoyed getting to see um, the flashbacks to other movies. Like it felt very complete from a fan perspective to get to like walk through it all yeah this is one of those few times i think where you know we we kind of use the term fan service in a derogatory fashion often and and for for a lot of times love letter yeah yeah like a lot of times i think it should be used in a derogatory term The, the time heist the entire thing about the time heist is it is all fan service but it is how do i put it i mean the love letter is a good way to put it too shalia it's it's because the fan service is literally the plot, mm. mm-hmm. it makes it 
like it, it goes a step beyond just being like, remember this? Like it's dedicating the time and it gave time travel the 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 weight. I feel like it it um it it deserves it. It wasn't just like like the movie built up a lot to them, like testing it and getting ready. And it took its time. It, it didn't just jump from five minutes. Tony figures out a thing, a model with a Mobius strip, and then they're in their suits. Like, yeah, it, there there's. There's some breathability there. I, too, loved the moment of, like, talking through the movie stuff. I do think, and I do need to watch it again, and I need to read uh, more stuff about it. I think the the rules that the film set up about this film's time travel, it stuck to. Yeah. People have brought up certain things, and so far I've been able to do the mental gymnastics to get away from any of the, like, it broke its own rules conversations. Mm -hmm. We'll see if that holds up. Um, but the moment, same thing. I love seeing the cleanup yeah. of the Battle of New York. Uh, there was a couple great comic book nods when Cap's in the elevator with everybody, a la the uh, Civil War scene, mm-hmm. and he leans in and he knows that they're Hydra, but they don't know that he knows at this point, and he says, Hail Hydra. Mm-hmm. That's a nod to the Secret War arc that was kind of universally panned, um, or a se- I forget, Secret Agent or whatever it is uh, in the comics where Captain America was a Hydra agent all along. But he, they like, oh. what, what, the Marvel, what the Marvel Cinematic Universe seems to do is if there's a if there's a shitty arc in the comics they take the five percent that's genius and they just take that little part and and they put it in the movie and even if it's in a throwaway line or whatever that's great but um so this stuff i never up until uh the scar joe moment i never like there was like 40 minutes of this film where i was like everything's consequence free and i was okay Mm -hmm. with it Mm -hmm. um you hear what what about you and then we'll sort of talk about so, uh, the time travel thing uh is sort of interesting because they're basically the fundamental no, uh, thing about time travel as we know it through mo- movies like back to the future terminator 2 yada 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 is that there is a sense that um the the grandfather paradox or the, yep. the time the temporal paradox which is that if you go back in time and you change something it creates a butterfly flick which which means that the origin that you jumped from no longer exists and what this movie is playing with is this idea of the quantum realms where multiple possibilities are true doesn't make it any less confusing how it's going to work because ultimately what happens in this film is opposed to the grandfather paradox which is that Thanos now in the in the the rational linearity of the story no longer snaps people he just arrives uh in the future and is post-snap but now what the film is positing and again this just bear with me if if this all sounds funny is that uh because this is a question that came in later uh which is the question I, I believe one of our listeners came up with is the fact that the film defies the temporal paradox, which is that if Thanos is brought before the time that he snapped into the future and then is killed, therefore the snap never happened. So therefore, this this the the paradox here is this uh, this reality can no longer exist. That's a logical linearity to time travel, which is the foundation of the temporal paradox. Uh, what the film is playing with is the quantum theory of time travel which is that multiple realities can exist at the same in the mm-hmm. same time and that Thanos's future snap is actually part of a infinite loop that is part of a single timeline yeah. and it doesn't make a lot of sense and they sort of and 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 rightly so the film washes it away with quantum mechanics you know like i do i i studied quantum uh, you know i i know about quantum just to sound smart basically is what they're saying and that's a, that's pretty much the extent of my knowledge of quantum quantum mechanics and sure. realities it's the idea that uh the the world doesn't exist in a single binary it can be multiple binaries at once mm-hmm. um the, and and i think 
for the most part, it works. Now, going back narratively, this was my biggest dread about Infinity War. Okay. The biggest dread about Infinity War was, again, and it, it has to do with the texture of consequence. Do you mean Endgame? Uh, no, with Infinity oh, War. Oh, sorry. It was my biggest fear about uh, when I saw Infinity War is that, you know, I said, I said then, whoa, they killed off half the characters. They killed off all these amazing characters. And, and I was like, that takes a lot of chutzpah, and it's pretty bold, and I'm very impressed that they did it. What will really piss me off at this moment is if they unwind that. Because then what they're saying, essentially the, the film, the world is basically saying is that we didn't really mean to do that. Uh, you know, like, rest assured, the world will continue as it exists, and there's, no, there's not much consequence to the world. Yeah. I think that, oddly, what helps in this case is the duration of the film. The three hours, mm-hmm. and basically making the mechanics of that time travel thing kind of play out for a long period of time. To the point where, again, as you're watching it, it doesn't quite line up, because, again, it's not, it's not based on, like, our Back to the Future knowledge, and I don't quite understand how returning the Time Stones back to their original point will will reform the timeline. I do, but that's okay. I do. <laughs> <laughs> but but as you watch, as long as you kind of, like, I, I've always said this thing about movies as well, is like, go with it. You yeah. Know, like, go with it mm-hmm. and just see if, it, if by the end of it, it doesn't kind of make sense, then there's a problem. But if you go with it and kind of just absorb it as it's happening, I think it kind of works. Um, but, you know, this is sort of the film having its cake and eating it too, but it's doing a good job. It's a tasty cake. Yeah. Time travel mm-hmm. in film. Unless your entire film is about the concept of time travel, will always feel hand wavy, mm. um, and and that's okay. I think that they did a really great job here with the. I loved that um, the the ancient one comes back, tell the Swinton mm-hmm. what up, uh, and it has a conversation with Bruce Banner and da 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 da. And they have the very graphic, the very graphic design thing of like timelines and like you'll be fine, but ours is shit. Like I mean, the but idea if you bring behind it back, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the the interesting thing here is you know it's it's the infinite universes sort of theory in the sense of the easiest way that I can break it down and this is not a correct way but it is a a simplified way of how I think the mechanics at least how the film is saying that it works is every character's if if a character goes to their past that is still the character's future yeah it's part of the linearity yeah. of their life so but it, but it could also you could look at that as it's like it's sort of splintering into infinite numbers of realities but if we want to make it simple let's just make a reality per character right i mean that's not what the film does but like let's take that concept and boil it down to just sort of being like that i think what it's saying is more that reality is linear whether you whether, whether you, you go time, back whether you time or travel or not there's no there's no splitting off it's all part of the same reality or, yeah well the the um what was i going to say the the interesting thing about the time travel stuff and like what you said before and what you were worried about is that there would be no consequence, that they would snap these people back and whatever. I never thought that the snap, and I don't think you did either, uh, any of us, that they were going to, I mean, we knew the, the movie's coming out yeah. later, Black Panther 2, Spider-Man, yeah, yeah, Far From yeah, yeah. Like, we know that they're coming back, but it's how they come back and does it matter that they were gone and is the world different because of that even after they fix it? And I think they did that, I mean, with with the... I mean, let's, let's kind of going down the line. I mean, three of the original Avengers are gone now. One way or another, they are gone. Mm-hmm. That's half the team gone. Not to mention, you want to talk Vision, you want to talk original Gamora, which I didn't even think of this for Gamora, and I never wanted to lose Gamora from the Guardians franchises, And but I never wanted her to come back either. Like, I didn't want that mm-hmm. to be okay. And now that she's back but not back... 
Like she's it's not her. It's it's previous her, and now she has no relationship with the Guardians whatsoever. So Quill But did she get to stay around or did she get when we don't know. she was there with the because they didn't really show her again. No, she, no, they didn't. Well, see, this is the thing because, and this is what sort of uh, is there a Black uh, Widow TV show? Play? There's supposed to be a Black Widow film, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Kate Shortland's directing it. Who's a really, really that fantastic. That could be director. like in the '80s or something. Could like be in the that. '80s, whatever. But but basically, the fact that Gamora comes back doesn't bode well for the sort of texture of consequence for Black Widow's death. In this film, I hope they don't bring Black Widow back the same way. Black Widow, even though I'd l- I want to see her film, sh- should stay dead. My point here is, yeah. on paper, all of this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know what I mean? On paper, this is like... So is the notebook. You yeah. know what I mean? On paper, <laughs> all of this is terrible storytelling. And on paper, it's like such a manipulation of an audience's emotion. In the experience... I think it all works. Yeah, I mean, what is what is theater or film except lying to people in the dark for the money? The suspension like, of disbelief, you know, and... Oh. <laughs> yeah. yes. Sorry, before we get distracted from, like, splitting off into timelines, string theory, <laughs> all that stuff, I just want to uh, publicly say that my theory for where they're going to set the Loki Disney mm-hmm. Plus show okay. is in the new timeline that starts in wherever he was when he took uh, the, the Tesseract. Tesseract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. he because they're not going to pay to anti-age him and make it a pre-story. I, I the like, other... maybe he's too old for that. <laughs> <Yeah. The other laughs> My husband is... is an adult. He can't, <laughs> he can't play a teen. Tom Huddleston, yes, please, my, yes, uh, please email us. Shalir <laughs> uh, is waiting for your proposal. <laughs> Here's the thing that's a bummer though: is one of my friends is dating one of the Avengers, so it's like. Oh, so you're you're one degree of separation. You're one degree away. Come on, yeah. Hook a sad girl. (laughs) Yeah, with yeah. At least get someone on the team. Uh, On (laughs) any will do. I'll take just not Jeremy Renner. Why? Here's why I think. Oh, what's wrong with Jeremy Renner? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, he's fine. I just don't want to date him. Oh, really? You didn't like his? You didn't like his mohawk? His? uh... I'm way more into weird hybrid Hulk Mark Ruffalo. You could uh. climb that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think, you know, again, this all kind of, um, I think for me, where narrative textures of consequence kind of fails on paper, what does work in the moment to moment is whether the scenes are emotionally resonant and whether the return of these characters is actually earned throughout the course of the film. And I think it is. You know, yeah. Again, sitting in the audience, hearing people clap when characters come back. Now, I don't know if that has to do with, with just the, the sheer affection we've generated for these characters uh, over time. Uh, but here, just being there and, and feeling that experience kind of in the theater, yep. I think makes it land. You know, yeah. Even as much as I kind of think on paper... It's sort of, um, and, and ultimately the cynical part of all of this is that this story is not over. It's all going to continue. This mm-hmm. is a perpetual money machine that's going to keep going. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually kind of part of the research I did for this episode has nothing to do with uh, the movie itself or the mythology of the, of the Marvel. It has to do with Disney. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, real quick, just sort of going to the theater experience or whatever. Before, uh, I was on my way to therapy Thursday morning, <laughs> and I looked over on the subway and I saw on someone's phone uh, Captain Mar- uh, uh, the scene from the very beginning of this film, uh, which I it was Carol uh, Carol Danvers talking to the whole team, like that hologram scene. Mm-hmm. And I oh, and uh-huh. I was like, he, he's watching Endgame on his phone. And I looked away. 
But I was like, and I was thinking about it. I was like, yes, this is what Marvel wanted. Mm-hmm. Marvel wanted you to experience the end of their grand 11-year experiment on a crowded subway that smells like farts and there's showtime going on in the background. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, and I was <laughs> like, who? Like, maybe that, that saying that Marvel, Marvel doesn't give a shit as long as you pay them. But, mm-hmm. but like. That guy did not. To be that (laughs) person watching, no, 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 but watching that, like, this is how he wants to experience it. I mean, you know, look, uh, we had this conversation about Steven Spielberg sort of ratting out Netflix for their their erosion of the cinematic experience, and our kind of counteract to that is that People experience things the way they experience sure. things. And, you I know, judged hard. Though. You judged hard. Yeah. yeah. Which I, is fine. People can do whatever they want. Yeah. It's a free will ish. <laughs> but, you know. Um, okay. So time travel is what it is. Yeah. And. Oh, l- sorry. One more thing. It's not about the time travel, but there was something that I really respected about, I guess, this section of the film. Mm-hmm. And that was not so much the time travel itself, but the, the way that Thanos, 2014 Thanos, uh, discovers. What's going on? Right. Mm-hmm. And now, look, the time travel stuff, we don't know how time works really, mm-hmm. but we have all these theories in real life. Something that we do know, however, is quantum entanglement, that that is a real phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And now, a lot of the MacGuffins in Marvel movies have to do with magic space rocks, and whenever they can't explain something, that's the cause. Mm-hmm. The idea that what Gamora, how Gamora's network works, sorry, Nebula, Nebula's network Mm -hmm. works, and how there's sort of two of them at this point, and now that creates a quantum entanglement. We've proven that you can transfer and adjust data via quantum entanglement from one point to from any point to any point in in real life. Mm -hmm. So you guys, you two. Me and she yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did the experiments in our it's own our lab. Gig. Yeah, you should tell people in a more public forum. <laughs> we're, listen, Shelley, we're like just trying to keep that on the down low right now. You know, okay. it's basically uh, well, yeah. Your secret team with me. We're yeah. having we're having the Tony Pepper discussion right after this podcast to see if it's worth letting the world know. Spoiler: I'm Pepper. Oh, <laughs> am I your baby? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I just want cheeseburgers. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I really enjoy kid. Yeah, <laughs> I really enjoyed that that was like out of all this fantastical stuff they found like a, a thing that is both science fact and science fiction to make the way that Thanos like it was just a small thing but like I really appreciated that they took the second to sort of even with a throwaway line of sort of like her memories are quantum entangled or whatever and I was like oh yeah. like it was mm-hmm. it's those type of small moments that actually I think help the stuff that you said truthfully mm-hmm. on paper is ridiculous yeah. <laughs> and does not work. I think it helps work. Anyway, that was my last uh, time heist, as Ant-Man quoted it. Were we going to talk about Black Widow? Oh, yeah. We should talk about that, too. Yeah. Okay. So, what, Shalia, what are your thoughts on uh, on the uh, the soul swap for Black Widow? Um, I think that based on everything we've ever been told from like Black Widow's mouth, like about her, about her view of the world, of her own life, I think it was the kind of death she wanted. Mm-hmm. She need that she needed, um, because she is no matter how much good she does, is always talking about there's red on her ledger. Mm-hmm. Like she feels an overwhelming sense of guilt for what she has done, and a sense of like owing her life to Hawkeye, like that doesn't matter what she does how much she does she feels that Mm -hmm. and she spent so much time then at this point obsessing over how she can fix things and trying to keep things going that I think um I don't know I was okay I I I understand 
Like, I, it is a bummer. As I was leaving, my friend and I were like, why didn't she get her own funeral? We, like, I mentioned that as well. What, uh, where was her funeral? Yeah. Um, but, like, they were mid-doing stuff, and I'm sure they gave her her own funeral. But, like, realistically, Black Widow has never gotten treated like the other ones. Yeah. She and Hawkeye have been separate, always. And so it doesn't surprise me at all um, that they, they didn't give her, like, a big service. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do at least think that like that that's a, a death that m- would mean something to her if she wasn't dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a great there's a great moment in, in the end at Tony's funeral where I think it's Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch are mm-hmm. by the lake. And he's like, I wish we could let her know that she knows she, she didn't she matter if she like, wasn't dead. As Shalia said, she knew. Yeah. yeah. I but think like, it, it, if she w- if she got to watch her own death, she'd yeah. be like, "Good for me." Yeah. If the movie but did like dead, that so. moment from Scream where they pull back and she and Scarlett Johansson was watching in the theater, I think it works, right? Is that what you're <laughs> but here's the thing for me is that uh, see, I can see the in the Tony debate about whether he should do this. I can see the possibility of there being two correct outcomes of that conversation. You know, whether he should like be involved in the time heist because his his dilemma is. If I get involved in the time heist, I might lose my family, right? But if I don't get involved in the time heist, you know, like there's the, the, uh, all these people who have lost so much. Yeah. In the dilemma between Hawkeye and Black Widow as to who should be lost, the answer is so clear cut to me that I was like, every time they were like fighting about it, I was like, guys, Black Widow needs to go. Like it's, it's the the film, based on what the based on the fact that yeah. the entire purpose of this is for Hawkeye to re- regain his family. Like Hawkeye has something to come back for. Black Widow, according to the scenes that we've seen, where she's just sitting around like in this post Thanos world, has nothing to come back for. So it was like, there's no like to me. I was watching that going, guys. There's I I understand we're trying to be honorable here, but but in terms of like who's got the most reason to live and who has the least reason to live. All the right. dilemma is really clear. But I think, too... It you have a kid. You think you're better than me? <laughs> <laughs> it's no, pretty much what I'm saying. to let you die. You uh, die. Uh, here's the thing. <laughs> I think throwing you off a cliff. Yeah. It felt very uh, honest to both characters. I think Clint... Clint doesn't... Because Clint feels a lot of the same guilt, especially now after five years yeah. of fucking murdering right. people. Being that a he, psycho. Yeah. Uh, he just wants his family to be alive. Now, granted, in a perfect world, would he want to be there with his family? But I think, honestly, in these moments, Clint wants his family to be alive and Natasha to be alive. Like, and I think I can see that. And I think I think that's his driving force behind it. And granted, if we want to look at the cold numerology of what's going on, sure. But that's not how emotions work. <laughs> it just felt very much like these two were like throwing each other off this cliff. And I was like, guys, guys, guys. You're like, I wanted Red Skull to like just stop and go. Look, I've just watched this for the last five minutes, and I'm just saying, Black Widow, you need to go. <laughs> no, I like. I really liked how it played out. Now, the uh, the last thing I will say about this is honestly. I feel like the gravitas of that scene of her death actually was a little wasted on me because at that point I had to pee so no, bad. you dumbass. I know, I know, and so I I planned my whole hydration schedule around. No, I know, but I ran out and I timed it. I was forty, no, I was fifty seconds in and out. What you peed fifty? It took you fifty seconds to go to the bathroom and pee and come back. Yep. You know what? I'm guessing you didn't wash your hands, you filthy monster. No, I did. I ran, I ran them through. I didn't dry them. I dried you, them on my pants. You, did you pee hands free? Yeah, pee hands free. Just you, you, you know, free, free, free wheeling it. Pants all the way down to the ankles. And I came back and I. You were I, arrested. I after. missed. Yeah. I, I, and I came back and I just it, basically I left the theater when they just all arrived back via the time machine. 
Okay. And then I got back right as they got to the point of uh, they we cannot bring her back. Right. Yeah. So okay. I missed like connective tissue and stuff. And I'm it, looking it just felt like they were all very certain of that fact, given that like later in the film, Gamora comes back and also that they're in they're in a time travel world. You know, like, yeah. now, I was like, oh, you're very I'm certain curious because I can't speak to that because I didn't see it. I'm very curious. <laughs> they about were just those. they were just like Hawkeye was just very it was almost like the soul if, stone told him. No, it's almost as though like if if no one was if no one knew it was like he murdered her and he was like, no, guys, <laughs> we can't go back. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Fun. Do not go back. Back to the moment when I stabbed her. <laughs> yeah. Um, Good question. I want a trial for Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah. Put him. Put him on. Put him on the stand. Yeah. Um, is there anything else about the time heist before we sort of move on to Act Three, the big battle? Well, okay. N- not specifically about time heist, because there's something about Act Three that I want to talk about that I think is it's it's really about Act One, but it, I think it comes Ooh. to fruition in Act time Three. Time travel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've got nothing else about uh, time travel, uh, but let's just rewind the tape and see what we do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Act three. Okay. <laughs> no, the thing I, I, I wanted to talk about that I think to me is the most successful storyline in this film is is oddly the, the storyline that feels like it can be a, a punchline, and that is Fat Thor. And the reason I think Fat Thor is the most successful of these of these timelines is also, oddly, it gave me a way to come to terms with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Interesting. Uh, which huh. is the which is that Thor basically, you know, he and, and this is a repeat of the Tony Stark uh, PTSD kind of dilemma that happens post Avengers. It's the same same basic narrative through line, which is that post um, post failing to kill Thanos. Uh, Thor has kind of um, uh, hidden himself away in New Asgard and has become kind of uh, uh, sloth-like yeah. playing video games with Korg. Uh, side note, if you're going to have Korg in the film, you've got to have more lines for Korg. I mean, Korg is just, is just mm-hmm. everything. <laughs> what about just Meek? so happy he survived. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. Um, but um, so what I like about him. What I, what I actually, there's a couple of things that I love about this is that there's a danger in, in this sort of body change characterization that we've seen in many movies before, which is that the body change is temporary. Yeah, you know, like you know, the, ultimately when these characters get it together, they're gonna get back in shape and kind of do what they're gonna do. And this film doesn't do that, much to my surprise, you know. And I was, yeah. I was like, he the, braids his beard, he braids his beard. But the first time, like, the yeah. first time I saw uh, Fat Thor, <laughs> I'm just gonna call him Fat Thor, even though that might uh. be dismissive, is that I was like, please don't let him get back in shape by the end of this movie, yeah. because that, yeah. that again is that texture of consequence thing that we've been talking about. And what I liked about it is this line, this the sequence that he has uh, with Rene Russo, his mother, oh. where he basically has to come to terms with this idea. You know, she says this line that I that I really liked, and I think to me, em- eh, allowed me again to kind of deal with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Which yeah. she, says, she says, everyone fails at whatever it is they're trying to be. She says the success of a man is not uh, as not at your failure, but it's it's in in accepting who you are. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the film, Thor kind of hands over New Asgard to Tessa Thompson's to Valkyrie, Valkyrie yeah. and says something along the lines, "I've got to stop trying to be who I, you know, stop trying to be who I'm supposed to be, and instead be who I am right now." And to mm-hmm. me, that was this sort of beautiful kind of encapsulation of this idea that I've always had a problem with, which is that the Marvel movies are so big. There's so much a big cultural conversation that I've always kind of been like, why aren't they memorable to me? Why mm. aren't they kind of, um, why aren't they challenging? Why aren't they sort of 
profoundly affecting or anything like that to me. And I think, you know, that line and that sort of like the way Thor's character ends up where he kind of moves into this world where he will inevitably hopefully stay as large Thor uh, in the Guardians of the Galaxy universe is like this is the sense of like, look, the, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole is what it is. And you've just got to kind of go with it at this point. And it's not about like aspiring to something grander or something like that. This is just what it is. Hmm. And, and accept it. And I think that was like to me that was the most affecting storyline in the film, and it was and it was played doubly well because when when Thor kind of takes his place in this final battle scene, he's still Schlubby Lebowski, and yeah. I'm yeah. you know and I and I and I loved that, and I kind of you know uh, felt that that was just such a interesting piece of sensitive storytelling within this grander context. I'm very happy they didn't make him uh, ripped Thor again. Uh, I guarantee you, though, in Guardians 3, when I'm sure he pops up again... He's using will, a Bowflex. Yes, gonna, that's what I was going to say. He's using a Bowflex <laughs> because in Infinity War, uh, Peter Quill's like, that's it. I'm going to commit. I'm going to get a Bowflex. And I bet you they're going to have they're a Bowflex have and they're like it. working out. That's going to be like some some man candy for a minute real quick. That, and I guess... Which maybe, is fine. It, I think that would be okay. I, I guess my point there is like is... Is it would be amazing if this if this truly was the right. end. If this truly, truly, truly was the end, 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 and that's where Thor ended up. Yeah, you know, like I, I think that would be a sort mm-hmm. of a beautiful place for him. And I, and looking at the trajectory from Thor, the Dark World to Ragnarok to you know to this, mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting. I, I think that is to me has been the most surprising and interesting. Yeah, uh, there's an article in uh, Vanity Fair by Joanna Robinson about Thor's through line mm-hmm. and and why this change happened. And it, it, she sort of suggests that it kind of came about through Chris Hemsworth basically saying, "These Thor, you know, Thor one, Thor two, Avengers. I'm just a character with no arc. Yeah. I've got nothing to do in these films. I'm just this stoic, godlike Viking. And that's why Taika Waititi was brought on. That's why the the tone of the whole thing changed. That's where he ended up in Avengers three. Was just this sort of like we need to do need something, to do with something with him. Yeah. And I like that they did. Also, from purely a personality standpoint, like Chris Hemsworth. It looks like Thor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, but is one of the funniest yeah. actors mm. we have yeah. right yeah. now. And um, I'm so glad that people have figured that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there was a sort of like parallel where I'm like, yeah, let him go be in Guardians. Like, he's too funny for the Thor movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, he doesn't take himself Ragnarok seriously. Did yeah. For yeah. Him yeah. Is give him the chance to shine that way. But like, it, um. Yeah, I think as a person, as an actor, he's better used. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. It's interesting. Yeah. Um. I will say too. I was wondering what you were going to say about the Thor timeline thing. I just loved, um, the simplicity that he went and talked to his mom, and instead of it being some complicated thing, she's like, "Yeah, I was raised by witches. I yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk, sweetie." But <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I love, I loved that because I was stressed about the time travel rules and like, you know, like what's going to happen if he talks to her. And I, w- I appreciated that. They just were like, shut up. We're just going to have a moment. Like, Although the dialogue just towards the end of it, and I, and I, I'll have to go back and just do a, a script comparison. I think pretty much they ripped the exact same dialogue from the end of back to the future. 
um, for the when he's leaving his mom, and he's like, "Mom, there's something I've got to tell you." It's the I, I, it like to me, I was like, "Oh, it might be the same." It's, it's, it might it be feels like the, the the exact same verbiage, you know? It's yeah. like there's something I've got to so. tell you, and she's like, "No, you don't need to tell me because my future's already fixed." It's it's basically yeah. Doc Brown and Marty McFly eat a salad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the thing I the, the famous of, Back to the Future line: "Eat a eat salad. salad." Eat a salad, yeah. Um, eat a salad, Marty. Marty, eat a salad. The the thing I really liked too, and obviously the Thor arc, I think, is one of the the most surprising and effective throughout the entirety of all of these. Um, is there was a lot of real good mom and dad stuff in this. I mean, I yeah. I think Rene Russo's scene definitely is more powerful of the two, but Tony with his father, um, working out kind of how to be a father and kind of in a weird way teaching his father a little bit about being a father. Like, there, there's something... I thought you would glom onto that hardcore, Shahir, but maybe that didn't affect you quite as much. I, I thought it was very... Um, I I like small Tony moments. Yeah. And we don't get a ton of them all the time. But when we do... Yeah, it's I I think what it is is Tony has been a straight line story for me even and I and I don't think his PTSD story even through Avengers Iron Man 3 has ever been that successful for me sure. because he's kind of always just resolved it and confident Tony has always been confident Tony um so so the sort of fatherhood thing didn't it didn't play for me as strongly as I think the film wanted to whereas Thor's narrative where he really is reduced to a shadow of his former self like his mannerisms are entirely different his confidence is entirely out the window is you know does work for me you know yeah. what it is i think here's 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 the difference of the arc so iron man goes from a, a mm. polar opposites of one type of man mm. to another type of man mm. thor goes to three different types of men he goes from i'm i'm the shit i'm a god haha in thor one and two and whatever gets brought real low through Infinity War to sort of the opposite end of the confidence spectrum and doesn't believe in himself enough and then realizes that he actually isn't either of those two things and he's a, th- is a third completely yeah. different type of person. So like I definitely can see how one of those storylines would resonate with a person more than another. Like It, it just feels like yeah. a more complete arc yeah. as opposed yeah. to Tony's which is he doesn't feel too dissimilar from the from from who he was initially, like it, it's it, it's it's subtle. His motivations are different, but he's the same. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else time heisty? Uh, not not time heisty, but then okay, and, and I feel like I'm I'm hijacking the conversation here. But the, but there was a thing about uh, Captain Marvel, which is I, I haven't seen Captain oh. Marvel. And okay. and and you know because she comes in in Act Three really yeah she well she's there in she's the beginning in act one but and and she kind of comes in in Act Three and she because of the way she's utilized in this film and and I have no relationship to that character there's two problems for me which is one is that she feels very Diausic Machina you yep. know like she kind of pops in yeah. as needed uh, the second mm-hmm. thing is. I get no sense of who Captain Marvel is in this film for a for a sort of a universe that is very defined by like clear personality and clear personality types. Um, in this film, me having no relationship with Captain Marvel, and this is the only time I've seen her, I had no sense of who she was, what she was about. And I know there's a whole other movie that kind of explains that, and you could make the same argument for Black Panther. I was just going to say that. Yeah. But but Black Panther isn't like really a character in this movie, and Captain Marvel is a kind of a major character, major player in this movie. She's a major player. I wouldn't say she's a major character. I think it was smart what they did with her. Right, but then but then her usage kind of feels Deus Ex Machina to me. No. I, I felt good about her usage because if 
they had used her anymore. I was worried they were going to use her even more yeah, right? because she is so powerful that it was like, okay, well, are they just going to fix, like, she's just going to do all of it. Yeah. Um, but I also, I've talked to several people about this and mm. I just saw it last night. Um, <laughs> Brie Larson shot that before she did Captain Marvel. The, yeah. Captain yeah. Marvel. So, they, so there wasn't, a character yet right. and especially with all the secrecy like she probably didn't know who the hell I've, this girl was i've watched a lot of interviews they were like, with brie she's larson a warrior she's a that be a warrior she yeah. said the script had not been completed yet for captain marvel when she mm-hmm. came on set to the point where she she said she walked onto set once and it's all green screen and like whatever and she's supposed to walk in they're like okay there's six people in the room and your line is where's fury yeah and then she's she said to i think might have been fallon or something she's like oh well okay like that's fine but like Okay, can't tell me who's in the room. That's okay. That's not important. But am I asking, like, where's Fury? Like, he's in this building? Or where's Fury? Like, he's dead? Or, like, wait, she's yeah. like, I need more. And so they only gave her like, so mm-hmm. much stuff. I, I read an interesting article from the actor's point of view of this where they were talking about how, like, we're, we're such in a world of, like, uh, spoiler secrecy and, like, um, not revealing too much where actors aren't even getting the full script yes. and they're not aware yeah. of their full arcs as they're writing as, as they're, they're working as working on the film and the problem is is that kind of robs them of the ability to kind of add nuance yeah you know like like mm-hmm. if you think about like Pacino in Godfather he know like the yeah, he actor knew the story. he knows the exact story so he can like do a little moment at the beginning that's going to be a suggestive of the moment at the end and in yeah. this case we have to trust the script writers and the director to the point to have to direct them in that direction yeah. without the actor knowing that's why they're doing it and that will never quite be the like the full yeah, yeah i guess there's see an that. entire acting approach that w- doesn't work if you don't like that wouldn't right. which is like um emotional like psychological gestures yeah which is like that you're like building to this like larger gesture psychologically you can't do that if you don't know the story yeah you yeah. can't do it so like someone like jack nicholson does that and yeah. like he wouldn't be able to function yeah with like, his, he would have to develop a different acting technique imagine a, a as good movie. as it gets if, if jack nicholson was doing the first few scenes and he's just calling his neighbor <laughs> like you know, like uh, homophobic slurs, and he doesn't know that this yeah. is where the film's going to go. Right? Here's, yeah. what wanna, here's what I want to say about <laughs> Captain Marvel, and Shalia, I want your opinion on this too. Mm-hmm. The I think the not only was her <laughs> usage perfect, I'm I'm a little bit, and, and I could totally see she here from a you didn't see the film, so this film doesn't give her a ton of time to develop a character because it doesn't because it's not her story. But uh, it's but not yeah. just that; it's just that even like I'm okay with her being in the film as much as she is. Yeah. What I what I just have difficulty with is that she's got no personality in this film. But so now that's what I take uh, umbrage with. <laughs> okay, uh, good sir. Um, I think that she actually does have personality in this film, but it is a different personality than what we are used to seeing from all of these characters, and it makes yes. her stand out. And I think it can be misconstrued as no personality. Carol Danvers in Captain Marvel, she plays it very subtly. But mm-hmm. every other character in this thing is either a big, larger-than-life caricature or a sad sack or a goof, and everyone goofs around. Mm-hmm. And Carol Danvers is a lot of things, no, but she is no not goofs. a goof. Mm-hmm. And, no, no. and I think when you put a character like that in here, the initial reaction is, oh, she has no character. I honestly think... For especially in you know both in the meta of knowing they shot this first and then seeing Captain Marvel and just in the if if I didn't know that and I, Captain Marvel happened first and then they did this, I think she actually is a incredibly subtle but stoic character that is still it for me interesting while being stoic and and an actual 
breathing character that I believe is an individual. Um, I could be it's funny I was about to say I could be poisoned because I saw Captain Marvel um but I think the the Black Panther analogy is is an apt one where um you you wouldn't have the emotional arc of Black Panther or any of the Black Panther characters Okoye uh Shuri anything if you hadn't seen Black Panther even right. yeah. even even if you watch the first Infinity War they're there but, but you, don't you don't care about them as much. Yeah, not their story. And I I entirely agree with that. That that it's the same reason. But but the thing that's different between Captain Marvel and Black Panther in this movie is Captain Marvel is such a big part of this of what of how the narrative resolves itself. Whereas Black Panther is just there, and so but I she's could, really I, not though because she, they, they, she, they yeah, write she, her. They kind of she, write her. She is holding you know Thanos's hand at the end of it. You know, fi- but they battling all do with that. it. They all do that at but, some point. But Black Panther doesn't. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah, not. Yeah, he ran not, with he, it for a while. Yeah, he, he ran, ran all, with it yeah, for a while. They all did. It. You know, but it, she's such a big part of it. She's kind of there at the beginning. It's 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 just all I'm saying is all I'm saying is is that is that I don't even get the sense of the stoicism you're talking about. Like I don't even get the sense that she is this stoic, quiet, reserved character. It's all blank slate. To me. Oh, I I see I, I see that. But what I will say is I think this is where. The success of Captain Marvel and the sort of media uh, uh, cycle of Captain Marvel and Brie Larson might actually poison people's viewing of her character in the film. Because the story up until Endgame has been Captain Marvel is the biggest thing ever that has ever been anything. And while I think that is justifiable in my own personal opinion... I think that sets up an unrealistic expectation for her in this film because this was never her film. And this is the first time that we've sort of had that like bit of a uh, a, a, a flashback film into this to introduce a character yeah. in this timeline. Sorry, Shalia, you looked like you had a thing. Oh, well, I was just going to say it, it's also the first time any of those characters had ever met her. Right. Yeah. They're like, there's just some flying, glowing blonde from yeah. – from America in space <laughs> like it they didn't so like she has no reason to be anything other than uh business yeah she's not friends with the hell them. are they yeah she's Nick yeah. Fury's friend and Nick friends. Fury is gone right yeah they're not friends she's there because she got a page <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and then no one responded when she called to follow up yep. uh, from a payphone and um <laughs> but no she so I felt like uh, Especially, again, like having seen Captain Marvel, but like her character is very much set up as um, a guarded person, a warrior, both in, in any any existence she has had. She's been a warrior mm-hmm. and guarded and is not like a fun, overly friendly person. She's waiting to see what's going on. And She's know- assessing things. And, and I, that can get in the way of a personality, I think. And I know that this is not what you are saying, Shahir. I, I can see what you're saying. The, the issue that I have is not with your opinion of this, but I think with taking that opinion and twisting it to sort of the dark men's rights sort of sort of yeah, bit of the, the thing. Yeah. I know. That's not what you're saying. Yeah. But, but I a like lot of, being a girl right now because no one would ever assume I was giving a men's rights. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but like to me, I've had a lot of issues – with with uh, the the judgment of Captain Marvel because because she is stoic and again I I, yeah, I, I mean get the, I, I no, would just well, like it if she smiled a little bit more that, well, no, 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 that, that joke <laughs> yeah, that you yeah. just said was literally what I was going to like the, the the problem that you're having while I think is justified can easily be misconstrued by idiots yeah it's not about it's not about it smiling the, the, it's about the yes. the sense of like I understand who is this person yeah, yeah. anyway um so so. 
Act three. Let's get to sort of we've talked about it about a lot, but the final battle here, I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, in the comic books, in Infinity, in the Infinity Gauntlet book, they all go to space and have a big battle on like rubble rocks in the middle of space. And okay. for a comic book, that works great. And when I saw sort of the the trailer images of the three walking up to Thanos in a giant rubble pit, I'm like, are they gonna have a fucking fight on space rocks in this movie? I'm like, that is dumb as shit. And then I realized I thought it was a very clever juxtaposition is once, you know, shit starts hitting the fan and Thanos gets uses the pim particles to bring his entire army to the past and all that jazz and he just unloads on Avengers headquarters and turns it to rubble and then mm-hmm. they're fighting in this giant rubble pit in upstate New York. Yeah. Um I thought that was such a, a interesting way to make the 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 mechanics of the film make sense in their own rules and also make it look and feel like the battles that people that are used to the comic books uh, would expect, but now they won't roll their eyes at. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a very... The, the MCU is so clever, again, at taking that 5% of something that works, in this case, the aesthetic of where the battle happens, and then moving it from a dumbass place <laughs> to like to a, a legitimate place that yeah. would make sense. Um. The the moment when when Bruce Banner uh, snaps and brings everyone back, and it makes sense that A, Bruce is the only one that can do it because A, he's the one that's strong enough, and B, he's the one that's smart enough to actually, like, if anyone could pull off the, like, mental calculations other than Tony yeah. and live mm-hmm. through it, yeah. it's this version of the Hulk. Fat Thor yeah. definitely would have thought of the Stay Puft Marshmallow. <laughs> Stay Puft Marshmallow Man at that moment. Yeah. So. Just j- beers. Just yeah. everyone turns into beer. Yeah. 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 Um, and so the moment of everyone coming back and everyone kind of having like it starts with Black Panther and Shuri and Okoye walking through it with the sort of like the light behind them was gorgeous. Even the fight beforehand with the big three before that actually happens um, and Cap gets the shit kicked out of him. And then there's the there's I the, was like yelling. I was like, Cap, Cap, come on, Cap. <laughs> there's the beautiful splash page. And this is straight out of the comic, but they made it look good of Cap versus everyone right and that was amazing the fight itself here's what i will say about it once it gets rolling and i need to see it again i think the 3d really hurt here go see normal i will well i'm gonna see this movie a couple times you you know this yeah Um, i wish i didn't have other things to do i know i'm actually (laughs) trying to work my work schedule this week so i can go to a matinee in an rpx theater um Mm -hmm. but i digress the the fight itself uh i i'm it all kind of washed over me, I think, a lot because of other than the slow moments when things popped up like as important and people cheered. But I'm curious to watch the action again. So because it, it didn't like it, it just all felt very samey to me other than Thor, uh, Cap with the hammer. Um, the sequence where they're all trading the glove off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Marvel flying through Thanos's ship. Mm hmm. And I know there's a ton of other stuff that happens. Shalia, do you, do you have any thoughts but about But it's so – well, yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to absorb that much mm. at once. Like, I, it is It is such – there's so much going on. Um, I was so caught up in the adrenaline and emotion of all of it that I couldn't tell you most of what happened. <laughs> I just know I was having fun yeah. <laughs> and feeling things. But I like yeah you're at that point was I was just completely along for the ride and having trouble absorbing anything. So for me the problem here is uh, is sort of the the Marvel battle mentality that that these movies have kind of played on whenever they do big battle scenes, which is that you're 
often entirely invested in the narrative chronology of one side only that the other side simply becomes fodder. Yep. And and if you think sort of uh, consequentially to the other biggest thing that's happening on the planet nar- pop culture wise at this particular moment, it's Game, Game of Thrones. Th- it's Game of Thrones. And in Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, the you know which is basically going to air i think uh, at the time that we release this episode uh the next uh, the next battle but even previous battles like for example if you think about the battle of the bastards yeah oh yeah you, you know what mm-hmm. you really invested in the tacticianhood of each side and the problem here is that when thanos brings his entire chitari army or whatever it is he's bringing they're just faceless fodder like you don't really care about what they can do you don't really care about how they're going to do things you don't care about the consequences of what they do you know like they just kind of they're just there and that's the the sort of muddled area it's i agree that you know again uh this should all be brought back to this film is an amazing accomplishment and bringing back all these characters and multi-strands and all this sort of stuff and every hero kind of gets a moment we've talked briefly about the sort of woman you know hashtag woman moment being sort of sort of awkward and that sort of thing but but ultimately, the battle doesn't really register because it's so big and there's so little dynamics played to what this battle is. It becomes, I think, as Josh Larson had kind of talked at punch-plosions. You know, like, it's just kind of like punchy, punchy, punchy. And, and it's, it's sort of, it, you're kind of there or not. Why you know? I think it works, even though it did wash over me, is the punch explosions are literally the backdrop for character for small character moments? You have a Iron Man one, you have a, a Cap one, you have a Hulk one, you have a you have a Hulk mm-hmm. guy one, you have a Scarlet Witch one. Oddly, I can't remember what Hulk did in this fight. Hulk didn't do much. He was he was tapped out because he, he did was, the first snap. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so he, he didn't fight. He his whole arm was effed, and he just he was out. Right. Um. I I wish that um. There was actually, but I don't know. The battle works it when does. it's when, here's where it works it works when it's Thor, Captain America, Iron Man versus Thanos. Those that four group, like, I couldn't care less about anything else that's going on around the film. The, the battle, the actual mechanics of battlehood works best when it's those characters. Well, because it's smaller. I mean, and, no, the, and, and we know what Thanos can do. We know what, and, and that's what we're investing in. And here's, at. although he has a magic spinny sword that's like a boomerang now, yeah. but sure. Um, the thing, here's where I think the Marvel Universe hit peak uh, understandability of everything that you were talking about and punch explosion, right. and that is Captain America Civil War. Because it's the, the, the battle, I think that's still probably the best battle out of all of these films, is because it's big enough where you're impressed and you're, you have this awe-inspiring shit. You're talking it, about the airport? At, at the airport scene. Yeah, but and it, you know what's it, happening yeah, yeah. on both sides. But it's small enough where you can actually understand everything that's happening, because it's between like 13 people. And you know what each... And you know... Yep. Yeah. Whereas this, you don't sort of know yeah, yeah, yeah. what they're so about. I think, yeah. So, I, you know, I know they have to keep going bigger and bigger and bigger, and what I like that they do while they know that they have to keep doing that yeah. is have more and more important small moments interspersed between it. Yeah. Comparatively, again, Game of Thrones, Battle of the Bastards is just a is a masterclass on where this can work. And where, you know, a film like this, you kind of would hope would kind of Sure. Again, I, it's interesting because the battle, I don't think, is the point of the film. It's the character arcs behind the thing. Where I do think, mm-hmm. honestly, at the, especially Battle of the Bastards, the point of Battle of the Bastards is the Battle, like the characters and the and the and the yes. uh, the the things that happen to the characters and the outcome, etc., 
is important, but that's not what the what they're filming is that the important thing that the the creators are making is the battle itself. Just one final note. I know, Shirley, you want to jump in there. Is that mm-hmm. the Battle of the Bastards is an extension of all, the battle is an extension of what's happening with all those characters, and that's why it works. But I think it also works better because the point, like w- the what the what the filmmakers are doing in the Battle of the Bastards, is wanting to show a legitimately full and and rich sort of contextual battle. Yeah, I think and this movie is so many, again, yeah. as I said, so many plate spinning. Mm-hmm. This movie knows because there's way more plate spinning than even Game of Thrones, and especially in its time length that it has to fill them in, it knows which plates to put down and which plates are more important. And I th- in this in this case, right. Anyway, mm-hmm. sorry. You're, Shirley, um, you're, I was just going to say, uh, and, and with a comparison to Battle of the Bastards uh, that works as well, in any situation where there is a big bad, they have uh, an army of disposables. Yes. Yeah. Because they themselves are selfish and self-centered, and that is their character. They are what's important, and they don't care who they throw at you or what they throw at you. They just want you to die. And the good guys have to band together, and so they are all – so there's always going to be – one guy with cannon fodder and a bunch of people standing together to fight him in that kind of dynamic. Something with the Battle of the Bastards is that it's not really that um, to the same extent because there are so many characters on uh, both sides. and But you really are just focusing mostly on, like you said, like the fighting, but also like it isn't – it's a big fight, but um, – Creepy What's-His-Name is not the big bad. Ramsey? Yeah. Ramsey. He's not yeah, it's the an, Night King. I think, I think yeah. he's yeah, going to throw fodder. Yeah. yeah. It's know? an extension of their characters there. That, that, that's what yeah. – it's, it's storytelling it's, through it's action. it's not the, the battle. Yeah. Battle yeah. of the Bastards is a big, great battle, but Ramsey Bolton is not the big bad of Game of Thrones. He's some little twerp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what makes twerp. it fun. Yeah. yeah. And, Which might even play um, back to the Civil War. great – like uh, accomplishment in uh, what they did, but he's not the big bad. Right. Mm. So, so it, and, and the big bads almost always don't care what about their own army. They just want you to. They just want them to kill. So it's hard to like know their story because the mm. there's always one person with a story and then a bunch of crones that they're like, "Fuck you! I don't care what happens. Just fight them." Yeah. Thanos has that kind of moment in this battle where he says, "You know." Uh, fire down you know bring fire and his yeah, lieutenant and his lieutenant says but our own men and he says just do it and it's kind of that yeah. moment that you're yeah. kind of describing it's i think what it is is the the point that i think i was making here is that the um we just don't quite know or comprehend the dynamics of the fodder yeah you know and it's just yeah it just it's fine you know like it's big it's impressive to look at uh you know like there are moments in it i think you know like the the, the moments that are that ring true to me are the the minutia of Captain America getting Thor's hammer, Captain America standing against the entire army in that sort of splash page scene, and the finale of uh, Tony <laughs> magic handing this fucking uh, so, the you know like the the, the stones. Mm-hmm. I am Iron Man line. Yeah, is... yeah, yeah. So let's. I think we should talk really specifically yeah. about that now. Sure. You know, like the the conclusion of this film and where it's all heading yeah. towards. Um, you know, which is again a sort of unwinding of Infinity War, but it's also a conclusion of the Iron Man saga. Yes. Um, I kind of want. I'm curious how you guys, you know, how many tears were spilled during this uh, this scene. <laughs> um, I 
it's weird. I of the crying, I didn't do the most crying with Tony because I I kind of went into it accepting his death. Right. Mm. I was like, there's no way Iron Man's making it out of this. Mm-hmm. You know, like I that's been my attitude towards the beginning, of of like, uh, well, the beginning, not the beginning, beginning, but like from the beginning of this film. Yeah. Is I was like, he's doomed. Like to accomplish what they need to accomplish cinematically and plot wise tony has to go yeah and so i was not as emotionally affected as i was by some other endings uh for characters like cap getting to finally have that dance made me fucking sob um but tony i was like yeah this is this was always gonna happen and at least he did every he he did something uh that was worth it. You know, yeah. I was, I think it, his death pate was a payoff that was totally worth it and earned. And like, but, um, but yeah, I didn't have the emotional, like I heard people like sobbing. Yeah. People were like, ah! I'm like, Oh my God, pull yourself together. This, you knew this was coming. Calm yeah. down. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't have the same emotional impact as a lot of other things because I was expecting it. Right. Yeah. Not in a bad way, not in a like, ugh, I saw this coming, but in a way where I was like, yeah, I was prepared for this. Yeah. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. I have no qualms with him pulling a, a pickpocket with the stones only because it was his glove. Yeah. Like, it's an Iron yeah. Man glove, so yeah. he obviously has control over how those things are socketed. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I love the line. His death scene for me uh, was intense and, and worked very well because you had... Almost like a couple of the greatest hits of his emotional resonance. You had both Pepper, you had uh, Peter Parker, um, mm-hmm. and it, it and and Pepper like telling him that he's going to be fine, knowing that he's going to die. Is no, I think she's saying we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Right, 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 yeah, me, me and my child yeah. are going to be yeah. fine, which I think is more important yeah. to him. Um, so everyone, Earth yeah. is going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can, and it's then okay he can rest. Me. That's what she sort yeah. of says. And yeah. then they have we're the funeral moment. Fine. That all hit me like a ton of bricks. The scene, which I'm curious if they were all actually there at the lake or if they were green screen sort of in because mm-hmm. of scheduling. You never know with the pan through. They even got the kid from Iron Man yes. 3. I was just going to say, I had to look up who I, I was like, who the hell is that guy? They, and yeah, it's the kid from Iron Man 3. They hang on him for like 10 seconds and everyone's like, um, and um, and then when Steve goes back and decides to have his normal life, um, that's a really beautiful point. Like, there's three endings to characters in this movie, mm-hmm. and they are each individual. They feel true to the character, and they feel different enough where it's not just like this person's dead, this person's dead, this person's dead. Yeah. Um, they died in different ways, or they were taken off the board. I'll just say in different ways, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I really appreciated the way the the the, rev, the, uh, the relevance that this film placed on each of their arcs and what they did for this overall story. Yeah. I think the ending on the kiss uh, in the fifties or whatever between Peggy and Cap was uh, beautiful and the the most perfect way to go out. I think Peggy Carter, out of a lot of the characters in this whole series, has been done the most dirty. Uh, in a sense because her series was brilliant and never got it never kind of got out from under Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. love it or hate it sort of like um, Wonka Doodle Shadow did you guys know that one of the actresses on S.H.I.E.L.D. was um, Mulan the voice Uh, of Mulan I didn't I just found out the other day because my friend was like I sat by Mulan who's on S.H.I.E.L.D. and I was like what Um, and so 
Yeah, I, I, I just think, um, I think the ending and the way that both Tony went out and and Widow went out and Cap went out, uh, was perfect for not only the catharsis of uh, an end of a story, but also where, the, like, it, it literally. And what I loved about this was there was no post credit sequence. It was just the noise of Captain of, of, of Iron Man hitting his hammer in the mm-hmm. cave from the first movie. Is it's a blank slate for them to continue on. And I really appreciated that in particular out of all of this stuff. What about you, Shahir? Oh, I was going to ask Shalia first because I thought I'm, I'm I, 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 you know, look, my, my general opinion, I, I think all the endings work. Uh, I think Captain America's ending works mm-hmm. best. Um, I, I wasn't that emotionally invested in Tony's death. I kind of had checked out of that character a little bit earlier, I guess. Um, and I, I wasn't quite as staked in in his survival in in this whole thing uh i felt like captain america was going to die during the battle scene kind of and then cynically was like he should die but then liked that he didn't and then he got to have this this time travel story it made the time travel thing pay off in an interesting way yeah Mm -hmm. i like the payoff to handing falcon the shield the, the shield um uh, I wish I was Michelle Pfeiffer in that final scene, which is that I could just turn up for one day, have my hair and makeup done, and be have my name on the credits. Uh, <laughs> same with Marissa Tomei. Um, but I think it all. I think I think the the ending is the appropriate gravitas for everything that has happened in the twenty two yeah. movies leading up to this. Same with Nick Fury yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> Nick Fury. Yeah. yeah, just turning up for one yeah. scene. I want to. I want to. I want to get that paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think. Um, I I liked that. Every uh, every character got a different kind of uh, ending. Yeah. Um. And it was each one was appropriate for their character. Like we said, like Tony, like being told he could rest because yeah. Tony has never rested. Tony, ever since he like realized he didn't like his Playboy lifestyle because it was built on violence, has not like I don't think he slept. No. You know, like he's been a maniac trying to fix things that he feels his family is responsible for that he is responsible for and has, like so for him to get to have that ending make sense and is a like a, a good uh payoff for his personal journey yes to get to, to to die for everyone and i think cap getting to uh just be normal is like get mm-hmm. to go back and just have a normal life is such a like character appropriate. Like that's what it's not necessarily what the like most glorious end could be. It's what that, that character yeah. actually wanted yeah. to have happen. And like, same with Natasha, like I was saying, like she got to sacrifice herself in a way that like wipes all the red off her ledger and like, and Thor gets to just go be a doof in space. (laughs) And he like, he's a, he gets to be a guy with no expectations. And like that for him is an end that he wants. And Mm -hmm. it's like, it's not, maybe it's not the biggest, you know, he didn't explode into lightning or anything. He just is like, I'm going to go be a a guy that plays video games in space. Like, that's (laughs) what I want to be. But like, um, yeah, I, and that, I mean, Hulk kind of started out with his own yeah. balance. Like he had already figured himself out. Plus a killer wardrobe, by the way. Yeah. The Hulk's wardrobe killer is, wardrobe. is like, I'm just like, which big and tall store in a post Thanos world has those jeans? I think he has the money <laughs> these days yeah. to get some uh, yeah. tailor made. You need a lot of fabric. Jeans <laughs> and no shoes. I you love also, that he was like, eh, fuck shoes. <laughs> you also need to like have it engineered in case he like hulks out. Like these are non-terrible, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like what underwear is he wearing? If Tony anyway. Stark can develop. 
<laughs> if Tony Stark can develop the Spider-Man suit, I'm sure he could help uh, make Bruce jeans Banner for yeah. uh, I just for love a large those jeans. I just love, I, I liked his whole like Hulk's. It was again very dad aesthetic. He's like yeah. wearing sweat tops and things. I was like, yeah, I'm with this. Love, You're kind of dressed like him I'm right now. Like like, the cowl neck sweater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very. Um, but yeah, I felt really good because that's the reality. Like I had been thinking about the how is this all going to end in a more logistical way. Yeah. In a like, how are we going to bring the characters back that need to be back? How are we going to? But I hadn't made any guesses or thoughts about like summing up the characters in satisfying ways other than whether they died or not, you know? And so I was really happy with, with what everyone was given and the like, I wish I liked Anthony Mackie a little bit more, but (laughs) (laughs) cut the check. Um... I used to think he was like the best. And then I saw him interviewed and I was like, Oh, you think you're great. Get over yourself. But like, he is great. Fine. You went to Juilliard. Calm down. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I felt really emotionally satisfied for the characters. Well, speaking of emotional satisfaction, uh, we should probably, uh, I know we're, we're, we're clocking <laughs> in at near end game length here, but we do <laughs> want to talk about some of these emails that we got from everybody. Sure. Oh, um, yeah. So I guess I'll sort of I, I want to try to I've tried highlighting and Shahir, please add in if if I've not highlighted some of your favorite parts. <laughs> um, but uh, first and foremost, uh, Gareth, friend of the show, Gareth had mm. written us in uh, and saying that they were looking forward to our review of Endgame. So thank you, Gareth. But also uh, the thing about uh, there was a, so a couple questions that they posed. And the one I wanted to talk about a little bit was: Did Cap really restore anything at all, or did he just create a new timeline branch where the same events transpired and then the stones came back to where they were? He stayed behind in the past, and that's a that's a, that has a change <laughs> with huge implications. Yeah, and I think that this is that sort of broader question that we've been talking about, which is like, how does time work in this sort of new yeah. quantum reality? I don't quite understand. You you said you had an answer for this, like I how do. putting the stones back. I think putting the stones back basically creates the loop that 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 allows Thanos to kind of jump from past to future. Yes, and and the the way that Steve works. At first, I was talking to Jamie about this over breakfast, and I was a little confused because I was like, well, that kind of messes up Steve's whole thing because then there's two Captain Americas running around. Yeah, but there isn't because Captain America. The the one He's that frozen. becomes Captain America that then goes back in time is frozen, and then he goes through all of his life with Peggy, and then Peggy dies before all of this happens. So wait, so what you're telling me is when 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 Peggy dies and Captain America, the young Captain America appears, she's basically had a life with Captain America where he's aged all the way through. And then mm-hmm. just at the moment she's about to die, like young Cap walks in and she's like, yeah, choice. Well, you know, she, like, well, she's, <laughs> she's, she's, um, she's going through some Alzheimer's at that point. Yeah, I know. And so this is all like her, him appearing as like a new young Captain America is just confer- validating her Alzheimer's. I think, I think, I think she had the best Alzheimer's. Every Alzheimer's patient should get Chris Evans to show up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, I just thought. I'm who you've been in love with your whole life and you're like oh i could die yeah exactly <laughs> you you're the person 
my have, husband was this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You kind of remember the great parts about them. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Gareth, for bringing that up. You had m- many other wonderful points, but we were we're, we're trucking on through because these are this is a get this episode's getting long in the Infinity Stone. And a lot of these emails, again, thank you to every email uh, that came into us. Uh, kind of, they do repeat the same things. Uh, I think that the only point that I wanted to make out with time travel that Gareth mentioned as well is that I thought the time travel and use of stones plot ideas would be lame, but it really worked, justifying it and turned yes. out to be awesome. So, and I think that's something we've echoed through this as well. Uh, from Stephen, the main downside for me was the time travel plot line. <laughs> they set out the rules for time travel and then broke it to hell by letting Thanos come forward in time so that the first snap never happened and then pretended they still had to follow the rules. WTF. Other than that, they nailed the landing. It seems like a very uh, uh, um, a fairly large contradiction there. But I think we've explained that there, which is that the timeline isn't the grandfather paradox that we are all familiar with in mm-hmm. Back to the Future, which is that if you go back and, you know, um, uh, kill your grandfather, then you can no longer exist. That's not the paradox that this yeah, film deals nebula with. Nebula kills Nebula. Yeah, this film deals with a paradox where yeah. time is linear and, and multiples at the same yeah. time, which is why Thanos can jump over his snapping self yep. to be killed in the future. Mm-hmm. And still, if the time stones are returned at the exact moment, he will still get those time stones. That actually doesn't make sense when, does. you work, when you work it out loud because the version in the past hasn't collected the time stones will now go forward. But it doesn't forward. matter because everything is always everyone's future. It's one thing. Right, right. right. So, uh, thank and you, actually, Steve. The Mobius strip, even though now we're getting really weird, does actually work very well with this. It's the fact, and mm-hmm. I didn't really make that connection yeah. before. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the Mobius strip is an inverted line that flips over itself so that it's an it's infinite, infinite yeah. yeah. But, yeah. you know. Um, so, thank you very much for that, Mr. Steven. Uh, moving on from, we have um, uh, at Twitter, at mm. Baby Dread uh, says... With uh, all of the stuff they wrote a little bit before out of the way, I think the movie suffered from having too many characters. The buildup for Captain Marvel was huge, and yet it seemed like she was uh, sidelined for the majority of the movie. I ended up liking the first half of the movie a lot more because it was a lot more character-focused. For example, there was a scene with the, the women in the MCU, although it was cool, really didn't remember what they were doing outside of the fact that they were all sort of like set pieces for women. So we talked about that as well. But um, I think, I mean... I liked all sides for different reasons, but I, I 100% agree with Dredd's sort of uh, analogy of like the storyteller me really liked the first half better, the first third better, and then the 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 both the sugary cereal me and the person who enjoys a good cry me enjoyed the ending better. Uh, I'm going to say something controversial, and Shalia, I'd like to get your take on this. Great. I think Infinity War is a better movie. Interesting. Interesting. Huh. I don't know. I think I'd have to. I'd have to really think about that. I mean, I, I think time's going to tell for me on that one. I don't want to even make a specific call on that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had time to sit with the emotional resonance, and I've thought far more about Infinity War than I have Endgame. But that's because Endgame came yeah. out yesterday. Right. Also. So, Oh, I was just going to say we and we discussed this like the quality of Infinity War was resting on Endgame. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And- um so Infinity War if Endgame hadn't been good, it could have ruined Infinity War. I think yeah, my point here is I think Infi- I think Endgame concludes Infinity War in a satisfying way, mm-hmm. but I think fundamentally if I was to look at both of these films as individual films, Infinity War yeah. and the boldness of the ending of Infinity War kind of trumps everything in 
in game, and I think it, I think it kind of makes that a stronger proposition. I mean, it's movie. a bit of Empire, right? Yeah. Like uh, Empire yeah, Strikes Back, are. not the sh- series. It Empire. Is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it is. It is an Empire Strikes Back. I mean, Jesse Smollett's gonna like walk out in the middle of this. And, yeah. yeah. It's hard though because I love those Ewoks. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yub nub. I do. Um, yup, yup. <laughs> one more quish, uh, one more email here from this is from oh, this is our first email from Malaysia. So yes. uh we uh we, apologies. We're if gonna I, try the name, we're so um, sorry. Mispronounce this, but uh we can't uh, uh apologies. And again. also email us back with the pronunciation of your name and we will say it correctly next time. <laughs> Uh, quite a few questions here. I think we're going to try and barrel through these. Let's take these, like, I think let's round robin these and take these one at a time. So the first one will be for you, Shalia. Uh, question, would it improve how Infinity War turned out if the end- if it ended with the beheading of Thanos and the cliffhanger being the discovery of the Infinity Stone's destruction? I under that it's not possible in terms of continuity since they decided to introduce Carol Danvers as a surprise for part two. I'm thinking from this aspect because I felt the five years later jump to, to be rather abrupt. Julia? Um, I read this earlier and was thinking about it, actually. Uh, so, yay, I got this one. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think uh, I, I understand the abruptness of the five-year jump being huge. But to me, um, I liked the sort of flip, fake-out kind of uh, effect it had where um, – you are like, okay, they're jumping right back in. The battle's still going. What are they going to do? How are they going to solve this? And then you're like, oh, they didn't. And you have to sit with that for a minute. I appreciated that. And I don't think that if the movie had started there, I would have appreciated the, the gravity of what happened as much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the no having to accept that like even when they even killing him didn't do anything right. I think was a good way to start yeah uh, for me because um, I think had Infinity War ended with it I would have felt too much resolution and um I've, yeah hopelessness yeah. beyond like it already is so hopeless but there's a so mystery to the hopelessness yeah yeah there's a mystery to the hopelessness and if it, it had ended with he already destroyed the stones and has no head now. I would have been like, "Well, fuck!" <laughs> like, so I think it. It even though both endings are hopeless. Um, to me, I I I was okay with the way they split it because it gave you a um a thread of something to hold on to in the time it took to wait for the next film. Yeah. My my only response to that question as well is that I think the ending of Infinity War is kind of like the high point, and I love it when a movie kind of drops you at the high point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also it also makes that film be Thanos' film, which I yeah. kind of liked as well. Because yeah, he wins, uh, and that's the end. Uh, Matt, this question's for you. Okay. Uh, I felt quite a handful of the jokes were not as funny as it set out to be. Maybe the comedy aspect of it took me aback seeing the gravity of the story in general. However, the amazing crowd that I was with, bless their loud fan, fan reactions, loved the jokes, punchlines that were written. So I might be in the minority about this. Matt, how did you feel about the comedy of the film? I thought, honestly, the comedy here worked some of the best in the MCU, weirdly enough. I think because it More was... Than Thor Ragnarok? Well, I said some of the best. Yeah. Thor Ragnarok is a comedy through and through. This yeah. is not a comedy. This is a action kind of drama that has comedy in it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that... Um, I mean, okay, case in point. Thor Ragnarok, <laughs> funniest Marvel movie that there is. Easy. But yeah. there is zero gravity to any of the things that happen in that movie, even down to... Um, 
uh, Thor losing an eye. Yeah. Like, is still doesn't feel heavy because the movie doesn't feel it's everything is flippant in that movie and that's not a problem it's just you can't it's hard to balance those moments of comedy with something that actually matters this movie i think does a very good job not perfectly but i think and a lot of the comedy is relegated to kind of the second act i feel like there are funny lines and things here and there and callbacks and whatnot but the levity there's very little levity in the battle the final third act battle uh and there's zero levity in uh, the funeral and like it's all sort of catharsis. So I think this movie did a really good job of placing the comedy where it placed it. And when it did, it worked. The ass line is fucking, the through line is great. Uh, Uh, Rocket, I mean, even Shahir, this is less comedy, but you said this and I was really proud of, I I liked the line where you're like, proud of me. Yeah. yeah, Where you're like, well, that means somewhere on the cutting room floor, there's a scene of Natalie Portman fighting a raccoon. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, oh, yeah. So I, I, I want that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the comedy works very well because they knew where to place it. And I do think the audience helps 100%. Right. Uh, Shahir, this next one is for you. I gen- uh, I'm generally interested to know if there are others who are not invested in Clint Barton's family backstory. I felt the introduction of the secret family in Age of Ultron was relatively inorganic, consequentially making it difficult to properly empathize with his intentions for the arc. Uh, I'm not sure if it's fair to say that... Uh, the writers struggled with the because the writers struggled to develop that character. Do you think? How did you feel about Clint? Uh, I actually really liked the introduction of his of his secret family in uh, Age of Ultron. So I might be on the minority uh, uh, from from this email. I what I liked about it is that up until that point we have no idea what Cl- uh, who Clint is. Yeah, no idea. And, and it you know like uh, I think the film is kind of teasing and defying our expectations of a will they won't they with Clint and um, and um, Black Widow. Uh, and and then when we reveal that he has the secret family, that's when we go, oh no, that we're completely wrong about that. He's this other guy, um, and I like uh, to me where it doesn't quite work is I don't quite see the synaptic connection between uh, how Hawkeye losing his entire family to becoming Batman. Um, I I sort of sort of I can kind of make this sort of jumps towards it a mm-hmm. little bit, but it doesn't quite like murderous Hawkeye kind of still feels. Not quite in the world of this film, but you know, I'm willing to like. He's not the main character, so I'm kind of willing to to let it play. Where it really does play for me is the Hawkeye, Black Widow. Who's gonna throw each other off? Yeah, you know, like uh, who's on first? Kind of uh, gag, you know, like who's gonna throw <laughs> who's each? Who's on first? <laughs> yeah, who's on first and who's on death? Yeah, um, yeah. there's so only two bases. I kind of I I actually like it from that point of view. That the only part that disconnects for me is is. Bat Hawk. <laughs> right. I hear you. Yeah. And then the last one, Shalia, you're going to take us home with this one. Oh, is it about uh, America's ass? I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you can, if you can work it into your it's answer, you, my, get, you get double points. That's going to be my supplemental podcast to go with this. It's yeah. just talking about all the hot parts. Yeah. Um, um, here it is. Final question. Uh, did it make much difference to bring forward the Captain Marvel film prior to Endgame? I got to thinking, why not introduce her here, all omnipotent and slightly mysterious, before giving us a backstory that would w- that could be presumably better and more caref- carefully written? Do you think hmm. that's the case? Do you, are you happy with the chronology of, of, of how we are taught Captain Marvel? I think... That by having Captain Marvel be such a recent addition to our brains, it psyched everybody up for the possibilities. Um, I think if she just shows up in uh, Endgame, you are like, 
um, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hello. And, but having that like month of being like, Thanos is screwed. She's coming and Thanos is screwed. Like having that buildup was a part of the movie viewing experience for me. Like getting to spend time being like, oh, what's she going to do to him? And then having it like pay off, but then like didn't solve anything was like, I I felt like that added to my enjoyment of the overall uh, saga Mm -hmm. was having that time to stew about it. I also am hyper aware of how speaking of men's rights activists how fast the internet will jump down the throat of any woman who dares have powers without an explanation (laughs) yeah jesus christ poor ray in star wars people are still like i just don't get how some girl could be good at stuff and it's like (laughs) but you're fine with literally everyone else being just good at stuff so if she had shown up in this movie and just been good at stuff the the trolls that would have come out of the yeah. woodworks to drag her. I mean, they're already are like, we don't need this. We're being ruined because a woman has power. Like, so I, I'm fine with it just to be like, shut the hell up. We've established she's more powerful than anybody else. Go back to your basement and jack off. Like yeah. no one wants to talk to you. Like I, I appreciate from that perspective, just from like existing in the world sure. that we don't have to have, some stupid conversation online where people are debating whether or not a woman should be allowed to just be good at things. Right. Because that happens all the time and I hate it. It's not (laughs) a real conversation. Yeah. Uh, Well, uh, human. We're humans. (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, and uh, I think the comparable uh, note there is like uh, Carol Danvers introduction versus black uh, Panthers introduction in civil war uh, is as sort of a comparison as to how the story was done and handled. I, I know we're coming out to our end here. There's just one last topic that I want to talk about, which is kind of internally, externally to uh, Aven- uh, Avengers and more uh, about Disney at this point. Well, real quick, is that, we're done with emails, right? I, I, I think uh, so, yeah. So I just want to say real quick, thank you so much to everyone who emailed in. Uh, please continue to tell us your endgame thoughts, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or onlymoviepod on Twitter. We'd love to hear your stuff. Also, um, thank you again for Malaysia for writing in. That was, that's so freaking cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I hope we answered uh, a lot of your questions. Uh, I, I'm, I, I want to do this because I, I don't want to be the last voice on this, but I just wanted to <laughs> add this com- this part of the conversation, which, is, which I thought was really interesting. Um, A.O. Scott wrote a review for the New York Times, as he, as he does most of the time. Um, and this I, I just sort of took this and then started spiraling out about this sort of uh, for the last couple of days and thinking about it. Uh, Disney's and Marvel's accomplishment will be duly inscribed in the annals of commerce to be studied for many years to come. There has been a variety of silly and silly movies and somber movies, chapters that proclaim their top, uh, topicality and episodes that embrace pure escapism, as well as consistency. Any single film can serve as a point of entry, and insider status is easy enough to obtain. There's never been anything difficult or challenging about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that's my insert there, which is a limitation as well as a selling point. Um, and the interesting thing I think I wanted to talk about here is that um, with the merger of Disney with uh, and Fox uh-huh. recently, and the announcement of Disney+, Plus, there's this article going in the Hollywood Reporter right now, where there's a discussion about films that were slated to be developed by Fox, which are now being axed by Disney, because Disney um, has a more a stronger emphasis on a couple of things. One is, and remember, this this acquisition of Fox was a $71 billion acquisition. Yep. Um, 
One is that. Have a thousand. Yeah, I just got a thousand. thousand Yeah, just give me a just give me a thousand. (laughs) I mean, I was gonna get Fox, but I I uh, didn't have seventy six point nine 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 billion billion dollars. Do you think Disney would want to buy a human being? They can buy me. Uh, They have. (laughs) If Disney would just pay for our coffee, we're doing so much free advertising. I'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, But Disney now has uh, their their film studio chief has started to jettison a number of Fox projects uh, because of the purchase of Disney, which means uh, that they have an emphasis on a couple of things. One is more franchise friendly films, so films that will spawn out into franchises. And the second is films that don't defy the Disney uh, model of business. Now, Shalia, I know you worked at Disney for a number of years. And like Mm -hmm. one of the oddly in the film slate of Disney uh, that they're very concerned about is smoking, for example. Like, and there is this, uh. you know, like Fo- Disney's basically saying, "Hey, Fox, you've got this slate of movies. Let's start culling things that a don't add up to franchises, and b involve things that don't quite work against the Disney model." Um, and you know, an example is uh, a, f- a new film from the director of The Hate You Give, um, which it was called On the Come Up, which The Hate You Give made, uh, lost $30 million to a $40 million budget. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no, no, it, it, it made $40 million. So in other words, that director's next film has now been taken off the slate okay. uh, because of this Disney merger. Um, the second part of this is Disney is about to acquire uh, a bigger stake in Hulu. Um, to, to, to the point where Disney will now be a 90% stockholder in Hulu. I guess all of this is saying Avengers Endgame has to make uh, in the vicinity, I think, of around $1.5 billion to be a profitable proposition from Disney. It most likely will. The offshoot of this and the cynical part of me says that Avengers' success, I think, is sort of somewhat bittersweet. Which is that it is a it is a wonderful tribute to the twenty two you know twenty two films that have come before it. It is a wonderful tribute to the fan uh, the fan base around it. It also may signal a slightly different proposition from one of the biggest conglomerates on the media conglomerates on the planet now owning uh, one of the biggest largest media production systems on the planet. It's it's just sort of an interesting just mm-hmm. side note to think about you know like what the success of Avengers will mean for other films and that sort of thing. Um, It's already changed things so much for whether it's the, you know, Disney run or not, it's changed. Like people, there's so much pressure on franchising everything. Yeah. um, And so little emphasis on original storylines. Like it's already, we were already seeing so much of the fallout of it. Yeah. Like, I think yeah, you know, the two of the trailers probably gonna keep going. <laughs> two of the trailers we got in our screening were for the Will, the summer of Will Smith. One is Gemini Man, and the second is Aladdin. One is a you know like a repeat of a Disney oh, franchise. Thank God they didn't show me Aladdin. They did show me. <laughs> they showed me a uh, Lion King, which I'm already annoyed about. Yeah. But I, no, please no Aladdin. Thank you. Um, <laughs> And then this all came with uh, a really wonderful uh, sort of battle that's going on between Abigail Disney, who's like one of the descendants of the Disney Empire, calling out Bob Iger for uh, his enormous pay package. And basically, again, this sort of just gets into this idea that what you're dealing with here is the largest conglomerate on the planet. And whether, I guess, it's not quite an all or nothing proposition, but just acknowledging that the wake of Avengers Endgame means a lot of things. I think it's a very wonderful and appropriate um, uh, finale and send-off to 
the, everything we've seen before. But I think, you know, to A.O. Scott's point, uh, which is that none of the films have ever been that challenging or difficult to enter with is kind of part of the, the both the appeal and the limitation of the series. Um, and I, you know, I just kind of want to inject that, you know, slight model of cynicism into the, into the end mm-hmm. of the conversation just to think about, because we know that this is not the end game. There is a Black Panther 2, there's a Spider-Man Homecoming, there is a Disney Plus, you know, a million series coming as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just, just kind of putting that out there, I did enjoy the film. <laughs> I, I no, I think that's all very interesting. I think that the uh, the way that we will move forward in media. I mean, honestly, I think Disney is not going to stop growing. Obvi- I mean, that's just the, the way. Case in point, the mouse will always need to be fed. Um, something I'm actually very interested in uh, is in a couple of years down the line, when Disney owns most of everything, and we are being fed sort of the same thing. When the cultural tipping point happens. Um, and it'll when there will be a time when too much similarity will drive people away, mm-hmm. and then we're going to have a bit more of what we've had sort of in the past um, when when countercultures come up or like I, weirdly enough the, the example that I'm sort of thinking of right now is punk music. Right now, granted, punk you know is not as sort of strong as it used to be because I think that there was a, I mean there's a lot of different th- whatever. I but like I'm interested in seeing what the anti Disney uh, becomes. Right. And I think that we won't see that for a couple years because they're just getting to the point where they're getting all their Infinity Stones. <laughs> um, yeah. Here's what I'll say. Okay. The entire world is run by billionaires and corporations. If I have to belong to someone, I'd rather it be Disney. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's. I a- trust them more. They're all evil corporations. Look, they're all evil corporations. <laughs> but at least Disney... Um, puts uh, emphasis on being kind to others. <laughs> I mean, in, in their a, media. In, in yeah, their prop. I'll even say their propaganda absolutely says that. Uh, whether or not, be it, nice at least. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you should read this Abigail Disney article about like she's calling out Bob Iger's. Uh, it's it's really fascinating. Basically, yeah. Bob Iger has. Uh, uh, a CEO ratio of fourteen hundred times the average wage in Disney. Uh, it's, you know, it's, I was paid yeah. minimum. I was paid seven twenty five an hour when I worked <laughs> at Disneyland. No benefits, and I still am like, draw the company line. Oh, like, wow. Because I also, well, mm-hmm, I also worked for Viacom, and yep. guess who fucked me harder? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like Disney was still nice. They paid me way less. Uh, an hour, but um, ruined my life less a little bit. <laughs> well, kind of, I mean, and that's the thing too. It's like, I, look, both both of your in your specific situations there, Shalia, both uh, have have screwed you in different ways. But mm-hmm. the both should have been better, no question. But it is interesting where our allegiances will lie if people do uh, at least. Uh, acknowledge you in certain ways more than other ways. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I think yeah. Disney, it, you could think of this as kind, you could think of it as manipulating and evil, has kind of nailed that balance of like, we're screwing you, but you're going to kind of be you're okay with it. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, that is very. We're screwing you, you, but you get a dull whip. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. So aren't you fine? <laughs> Shahir, thank you very much for bringing that up. I always want to say one last thing about uh, this because, again, uh, I've had such a 
uh, a strong and and Shalia, I've I've brought you. I know you watched all the films before, but like you've been my. This uh, was something else. I'm your I'm your Padawan. You're, but you're you've also been a bit of a of a compass in a sense because even like I've had conversations with a lot of people, and I, I really both of you, to be perfectly honest, have 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 moved my the needle in different directions of of what these films mean, what the greater experience of them existing means, uh, small moments, etc. Through our series uh, of the the all the films, Shalia and just Shahir mm-hmm. through going back and forth mm-hmm. on arguing about all of them in, in what I hope constructive ways. But even through all of that, I will say that this for me, uh, with its conclusion, and I will consider this a conclusion, I will I will still be excited to see what they do next, but like the story arcs that I am as emotionally tied to as I as I am have sort of come to a close for the most part. Yeah. Uh, I will say that though, uh, for all of the good and bad that this film is and and represents even beyond it, the MCU experiment and storytelling is 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 the most impressive and emotionally relevant form of this is weird and and people can come at me, bro. But like, is is the most important and impressive sort of uh storytelling thing that I've experienced in my lifetime. And not to the sense of like it's changed me as a person or or things sort of like that. Like there are moments in life that have changed me far more than the Avengers movies have, of course. But as sure. far as like a sure piece <laughs> a piece of media uh affecting my thought process and my emotional rev- uh, my emotional ties with fake people uh this series has done that the most in spades and i am uh for all of the issues i've said and all of the stuff we've talked about i still uh, am very glad that not only have i gotten to experience this film and this entire ride but that i've gotten to experience it with people that like the both of you uh who both are on board and not on board and just like the conversations i've had about bullshit stuff that 13 year old me would never imagine that adult me could have a conversation yeah. about has been really cathartic um yeah. and i hope that that's the same for a lot of people and uh that's that's sort of how i'll end on that one this is your end game this is my end game. game. This is the end of the podcast, oh. by the way. This has it. been the only <laughs> podcast about Avengers Endgame. <laughs> Until the next one. Until the next. Well, yeah, well, yeah. No, will there be another uh, different movies? <laughs> Shalia. Yeah. Thank you so much for being you and being here. Uh, well, one of those things I can't help, but the <laughs> other one you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> Um, if, if people want to find more of the amazingness that is Shalia Evans, uh-huh. where can folks find you? Oh, well, the first place to start would be at Shalia Evans on Twitter. Um, and the second place would be the same thing on Instagram. And the third place would be uh, to f- Freddy Krueger, my dreams. What? Um, no. no. <laughs> Don't do the third one. If Just you- find me online. Just find me online. It's fine. I'm considering starting an email that's like fake manager at ShaliaEvans.com. <laughs> no, I just read. Um, I just read a story that Hugh Grant stuff. did this. Yeah, did you hear about the Hugh yeah. Grant thing? Hugh Grant had his own w- was his own agent for like the first. I'm doing it. Yeah, five years of his career, we, we would just send. Do it. Yeah, yeah. done. He said done. it solved him. So he put on a Scottish on accent, and I will wear a scarf on the phone and pretend to be a different person. There you go. Donald Trump did the same thing too, by the way. Oh, but, but I'm better at act. I'm like good at voices and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. All right. Well, uh, Shahir, <laughs> when you are not coming to terms with your feelings on the MCU and making some surprise, at least to me, <laughs> feelings of, of, of how you felt about the entire journey, where can folks find you? Yo, my Instagram handle, handle is Fat Thorio. Um, no, it's uh, <laughs> www.shahirdowd.com. That's S H A H I R D A U D.com, where most of my postings are generally about being Fat Thor or Dad Thor. Uh, Matt, where can people find you? You in the wake of the most important cinematic experiences of your life. You can find me surfing all of the realities created by this film to their maximum potential at M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram and PSN and Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. You can also find some of uh, the good works we're doing on uh, Extra Credits channel on YouTube. We're just releasing, oh my God, a wonderful two-part series on Extra History on Queen and Zynga, who uh, was an African queen and and her story is legitimately amazing and nuts so that drops i think this saturday so it will be two days ago in your timeline if this drops monday or sunday you'll figure it out go there check it out um with that i guess um we should all go enjoy our saturdays and uh and try to uh process all this until at least shalia and i are inevitably dragged back to the theater by our own emotions yeah, yeah I, um, I I want to thank you guys for having me on for this because um, one of the best parts to me about uh, Marvel or about any any fandom is getting to talk to people and like break stuff down. And I don't always um, for how much people are like, oh, everybody likes that stuff. I do have a hard time finding people that I can really talk to. So thank you for having me again, no, guys. No, of course. Any anytime you are you are our you are our, you are our. Uh... Our our Marvel friend in arms, we should, and, but we should also just do start of a, like a guest spot where you just drop in on every single episode. Like <laughs> you, you could just like knock and be like, well, "Who's that? <laughs> oh, who's that? Fine, I'll move back to New York. Come yeah. back to New York, yeah. Shalia. All right, all right, everybody. You'll hear us next week. I don't know exactly what it will be next week. I think we're gonna do a Netflix. That's uh, right. Uh, uh, one of my favorite filmmakers on the planet, uh, Lee Chang Dong, South Korean filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, his film uh, Burning will be released on Netflix this week. So hopefully, as long as I've got the timeline right, uh, we will post about it on Twitter. It has at as has been requested. Right. Uh, to let you know that that film will be available. And if you don't have the timeline right, just snap your fingers. Just snap your fingers, yeah. and uh, we will be on an alternate timeline where Burning was the number one film yeah. of all time. Uh-huh. So that's it. Every time we do a podcast now, it's going to be the number one film no matter what. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, bye, everybody. Bye-bye. I melted ice cream. Bye.